3: Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins.
0: That's right. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Bumper,
3: clear. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Door Bumper Clear presented by Offerpad, and I'm Brett Griffin. Boy, do we have a lot to cover after that crazy all-star race in Texas. We got our boy Jeff Burton in the house to help break it all down. We'll talk NASCAR's decision to throw the last caution, whether Ryan Blaney's window net was fastened, Denny Hamlin's comments about the last laps, Ross Chastain's big hit, and holy cow, a lot more. Here we go. Nobody's listening, but I don't care. I'm on an episode of Door Bumper Clear. Hey,
2: everybody. I'm TJ Majors, spotter of the one truck, the 68 Xfinity car, and
3: the six cup car this weekend. Another full studio. It is. Brett Griffin, spotter for Daniel Hemrick on Saturday. We battled back to 11th place finish, and Justin Haley finished third yesterday in the open. We kept starting in the freaking rear. You did start in the rear often. Um, Freddie Craft, Spotted for Bubba Wallace, Landon Castle, and
1: Derek Krause over the weekend. Fairly uneventful for me. What's up, Casey?
0: Hello. Hey, guys. Casey Boats, your marketing professional, official babysitter of DBC. Of course, we can't forget about our lovely producer. Lovely.
4: Jason Schultz here, very excited to go to the Indy 500 this weekend, do a lot of content. Snake Pit. Drink some beer. Get a brick. Yeah. Indy car Jason. We got IndyCar Jason with us.
0: And he's usually we, a
4: Formula One Jason, but yeah. now he's IndyCar. <laughs> yeah.
0: For the week. Yeah,
3: He'll so uh, well, a few weeks ago, I had a good friend of mine text me, and he's like, I want to come on your podcast and i literally had to reread this text twice i was like did this did this guy just ask me this because i feel as honored as i've ever felt one of the yeah i did one of the best guys one of my favorite guys in the nascar garage is joining us this week shout out to mr jeff burton jeff good to have you here i picked the hell of a week to come on that's
5: exactly what i was so gonna ask that's, you. that's what i was gonna bring up tj and i, I, I should have said hey i want to come on your show when it's convenient <laughs> and not difficult i'll let but. you know
3: sunday night one week so ironically dale jr was texting tj and myself last night are out about what tj midnight Something like that. Uh, I mean,
2: I was still in Texas time, so it wasn't midnight for me yet. But it was probably eleven for me. So it was yeah, probably, so midnight
3: yeah. here. And he's like, "Don't y'all let Jeff Burton off the hook. You get him riled up, and you get him fired up. You get his opinion out of him." I was like, "Oh, we will. We will." Yeah, we got a uh, we got high expectations for you.
5: I didn't. I, you know, that's the first time I've heard someone have to. Think that they have to rile me up to get my opinion. <laughs> you thought it was easy. It's the, yeah, it's not a the, that doesn't happen at home. I can tell you that. <laughs>
3: yeah. How many races have you been to so far this year? Because obviously NBC hadn't picked it up yet. Obviously, Harrison's racing. Have you been to almost all of them? I've been to all of them except for the Bristol dirt race. Yeah. I
5: didn't go to Bristol dirt. Um, you know, I, I, I like, I like being at the track and then, you know, doing the, the stuff with the driver's council and then, you know, Harrison, and then just my job. Like I like to, you know, I'd like to be at the track. I think i learn more. I think I see more. Uh, but there are times I need to take a step back and watch television too. And, and it's hard for me to watch it in replay. Like a replay is awesome, but I already know what happened and it's hard for me to keep my attention. Yeah. But it's important for me to watch the broadcast as well. So uh, I'm gonna not go to a few more coming up at these last right before NBC picks up just because I
3: want to get back in the the TV flow. right. Uh, but I like I like being at the racetrack. You bring up driver's council and and that's one of the reasons I was excited you're coming on here. Tell me how you ended up. You were always nicknamed the mayor. And, and now you literally are By the mayor. A
5: boy boyer he stuck that on me
3: <laughs> and now you literally He's are the mayor so much crap for, in sport. <laughs> but, you, but you're leading a consolidated effort which we've never really had you know not with with representation right so you're leading this effort how did you get to be the guy the mayor of of this thing and and what are you guys working on that's a good question um As far as what, you know, how I got that, I honestly, it was
5: kind of weird. I had three or four drivers at the same time, like within a week of each other texting me, asking me if I could help do something. And, um, and to be honest, you know, I, I, I like serving my community. You know, I thought I wanted to be in politics before I got older and wiser and realized that's insane. Um, (laughs) (laughs) like, why would you want to do that? I, I, so, but this is my community. I mean, it really is. I mean, I, I, I you know, I feel attached to it. I want it to be better. Um, and, you know, I had this situation where I had multiple drivers texting me, calling me, asking me if I would help them. And then, um, frankly, I didn't know if it could work. So, I went and had conversations with a lot of people, car owners, uh, NASCAR, a lot of people at NASCAR, uh, drivers clearly, just a lot of people in the industry. Uh, and, you know, the more I talk to people, the more I realize, hey, this can really help the industry, and it's not, you know, the drivers just want to have a seat at the table. Like the drivers understand that they shouldn't make every decision, right? Like they understand that, but they also they want their input heard. They want to at least have a voice at the table, and you know, the 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 um, I think the the one of the tipping points for me was was Atlanta when they made the decision they're going to repave Atlanta and you know completely change it. The, the the way all that got communicated wasn't cool, and then uh, the drivers got riled up about it. And a lot of people are like, "Well, the whiny drivers or whatever," but they cared, right? And and we want our athletes to care. They're the they're the superstars. There's no way around it. They, nobody goes to watch. I mean, I love Richard Childress, but they don't go to watch Richard Childress own a car. They right. go to watch, you know, his drivers drive the thing. And so they're the superstars. That's who buy. They buy tickets to come see them and they should have a seat at the table. And and then <clears throat> from being, you know, retired and out of the sport for a while, you know, I know the things that that older drivers deal with and and you know, is there a way to prevent that stuff? So is there a way to move the ball on safety? Is there a way to move the ball on fan interaction? Is there a way to move the ball on making racing better? I mean, we all have the same goals. I mean, at the end of the we day, do. NASCAR wants better racing, the tracks want better racing, the drivers, the fans, right? Who doesn't want it to be safer? Who doesn't? I mean, there, who doesn't want more, more people to want to be at the sport? I mean, we all have the same goals, but how do we get there? Yeah. And in order to do that, all of the key players in the sport need a seat at the table. All of the key players. And when you take 36 drivers and you can't, it's hard to get an opinion because you have 36 guys that don't really sit down and have a conversation together. If you can get them together, 22 of them agree. After a debate, an argument, a discussion, when you have 36, it's hard to get an opinion of a driver because you have 36 voices firing at you. Yeah. And so if the goal isn't for us to all agree, the goal is for us to disagree. Yeah. And to have debate and honest debate based on facts and real information, not on, not on, I think this is why, here's why. And in order to get to that, you have to do it with facts and you have to have the right information. So- Really, that's what it's about. It's not about, you know, it's not a player's union. It's nothing like an NBA thing or an NFL thing. It's nothing like that. That would never work in this sport. And and uh, that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to have a, a
3: collective voice, a seat at the table to move the ball forward, make things Is better. it fair to say the owners got a bigger seat at the table with the charters and it made the drivers' voices even less heard? Well, I think it's fair to say that
5: the charters changed the game in the way NASCAR and the owners work together. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Right. Me I either. think the owners have a major investment and they deserve to have a, a major seat at the table. And in my view, I want every car owner to get filthy rich owner a race car. Which is hard to do. But the entire sport's better if they do. Yeah. The more owners can be successful, the better it is for everybody, because that Uh means that sponsorship's strong. That means fan interaction is strong. We have a strong sport if we have healthy car owners. And healthy car owners are going to pay drivers more. You know, what what we need in this sport is owners just wanting really badly to hire the hot free agent. Yeah, best guy. Yeah, the
1: best guy as opposed to the guy with the money.
5: That's what we need. And so having a healthy sport allows that. And ultimately, that's better for the drivers. I mean, you know, we want everybody Everybody
2: across the board
5: spotters. We want car owners to say, I want you, man. I'm going to pay you because I want you. But they got to have the finances to do it. And so we have to be the drivers have to be part of a system that that understands there's an ecosystem. And everybody's got to got to be successful. You can't own racetracks if you can't be
3: profitable. This is going to open Pandora's box, but to me, you just opened it. So I literally was sitting there this weekend, oh and I'm watching television, which now you have a big voice in, a big part of the NBC broadcast, and I keep watching those guys leave as soon as the race is over. They don't necessarily get the better interviews from drivers who got wrecked on the last lap or who finished third for the first time. And and I, I literally, on a plane last night, I was like, you know what, man, NASCAR is getting into a – fickle situation because the the, the pro the broadcast wants to take care of its advertising partners and the drivers and the teams need to take care of their sponsors. And when you're exiting before the race you when you're exiting as soon as the race is over, you're not giving our guys well, and more our teams a fair chance. It's more complicated than that. Yeah. And the reason it's more complicated is because
5: whatever is being shown next has the same challenges that we have. And they have a TV window that starts. I'm making a number up at right. 11 p.m. Yeah, when you start them at 11:40 p.m., what happens to their sponsors? What happens to their viewers? Right. So TV works in an ecosystem as well. So yes, if you're a race fan and the race runs long, you need to prepare to go to somewhere else. FS1's or or. Uh, NBC, Peacock, like you got to be prepared to move when that race is over if you want to hear the interviews because TV, although we're race fans and we don't care about the next thing, TV has a business to run too. Yeah. And the people that are on that neck, if it's, let's just say it's golf. Well, golf is on at 11 o'clock. They expect to be on at 11 o'clock. Not, you're taking their time away. So it's not that TV says, hey, to hell with you, race fans. We don't care. We don't want to give you the interview. Is that they have other fans and you've run into their time? So you have to be respectful of their business. You have to be respectful
3: for their fans as well. So, and it's even harder when it's on NBC versus USA Network. 100%. Well, USA, it may not be harder. That's, I don't that's, know. That's what I'm saying. It's harder but because it's on network.
5: It's harder. It's when you are on the when you're on when we were on NBC Sports. It's still. Yes, it's harder, but it's still hard because the next sporting event that came on NBC Sports, again, they had their time allotted to them, and you're taking that away from them. It isn't that Fox or NBC doesn't want to show the interview. They have everyone there. They've already made the investment. They have everyone prepared. To do the interviews, the investment is there. It's not a money thing. It's that you have to fulfill your commitment to the guy that has it next time. Right.
1: Yeah. imagine. I mean, what would our fans look like if they went to turn on the race that starts at one o'clock and we're interviewing the jockey that finished third in the Kentucky Derby? They'd go, get this guy off my screen. I don't want to. My race is starting. I want to see it. You know, it's the same thing on the backside of ours. Like they got to get to that You know,
2: other program, whatever it is. So my question is, is you watch Formula One race. It finishes, and it rolls right into like a post-race show that lasts a little while, and they get tons of interviews. Like, they get... Everyone gets an interview. Um They talk about some little bit of the events that happened right there. It seems like we're in a rush a lot. Well, they have an, an advantageous time slot. So they can... So
5: you think about, you know, when you watch oh, that morning...
2: Yeah, it's always at like 9.30 in the morning or So what
5: live sport event follows yeah. that? That's where... It gets difficult, right?
2: So that is a that's a very advantageous time slot. Well, why not roll into a post race show like you said? We used to. Yeah. Like roll rate, like go to another network, but get all the other content right afterwards. That way you're not rushing. You know what I mean? Like Well, that's what so it isn't
5: unusual for us to say, hey, for post-race interviews, go here.
1: And I think they do capture the content after the I mean, these guys are getting interviewed, it just ends up showing up on race hub right now, or like Jeff said, maybe they go to a different channel. So they're catching the content. It's just not part of that program. I have
0: seen Fox do a great job of sharing the videos after on social media to make sure that like those who didn't get to see it can. So I think they're making an effort, but I mean, you have a great point. Like there are other sports, not just NASCAR um, that, Broadcast needs to make sure they. You watch a football
2: game when it's over. You roll it into like a post game show for a little bit, and you talk about all the stuff. Then a little bit, what happened? I I mean, I've always kind of liked that stuff, unless it goes
5: to double overtime, unless the game goes long, and then it goes straight to the next game. It could be that's happened too. And there's and remember, you've got if you're so if you're Fox and you have the one o'clock game and the four o'clock game you control that four o'clock game and there is time built in. The four o'clock game doesn't start at four o'clock. Yeah. The one o'clock game starts really close at one o'clock. That four o'clock game is like 418
2: for
3: whatever. Three minutes after one, they're
2: they're kicking off. There's a
3: reason they've built that little bit of time in there for sure. Yeah. So I want to ask you about the racing because you, you raced for decades in NASCAR. And when I came into the sport, 1999, um, I, I watched a lot of guys like you, like Mark Martin, and then eventually guys like Tony Stewart, Jimmy Johnson. They race like gentlemen. And the culture of this game, when you're inside that race car with a helmet on, with this format, has changed so much. Guys are running over each other more than they ever have to win. I mean, we saw Joey Logano do what he did at Darlington. We saw Ross Chastain, what he did at COTA. Like, what, what is your take on how the racing culture is on the racetrack right now?
5: Well, first of all, in those two incidents, I thought they were returning what they got, although – maybe more severely. Like, they got moved out of the way first. And then they said, okay, you can move me out of the way. You made the rules. You got to live by them. Now, I don't like the fact that the guys that got moved out of the way finished (laughs) where they finished. (laughs) Right? They went from leading the race to, you know, last car in the lead lap or whatever. Like, I didn't like that. Right. But, if you are driving a race car and you instigate something, then you better be prepared to pay the price. I mean, my, my... the the way I raced is I'm going to assume that you're going to race me clean right up until you don't. And then if you don't, then you've made the rules, but I'm going to go into it, assuming you and I are good. Um, You know, Mark and I, so Mark Martin and I, we have a podcast now that, that, that we do. And we talk a lot about, about that. And um, it's a different culture for a lot of reasons. And it's not, you know, I don't think, so, you know, you guys know, I've traveled around the country, you know, racing with Harrison. So I've watched a lot of short track racing in the last, you know, you know, he hasn't done that for three or four years. But prior to that, I mean, we spent three or four years all over the place, you know, watching short track racing. The. The The thought that, you know, all these kids are just don't care anymore. I don't buy that. I don't buy that. I, I don't. You know, they don't have to work on their cars or rich daddies. You know, all the stuff we hear. We've had that in racing as long as I can remember. I raced against a guy named Wayne Patterson at South Boston Speedway. And I promise you, he wasn't a rich kid's dad. He worked his ass off and he would move your ass in a heartbeat. If he was a 17-year-old, they'd say, "Oh, yeah, a little little brat, right? right? We've seen this forever. And so I don't buy that it's just a bunch of young kids. I don't, I don't buy that. I, I do think that they emulate what they see on Sundays. And with the way that racing is today and how important restarts are and how important it is to win a race and how important it is to win a stage and how all that stuff and how important, and people forget this, how important points are. So points with this new system, everybody thinks that it's all it you win and you're in. Hundred percent right. How many people made it in points last year?
2: Uh two or three. Uh, yeah, not many.
5: Harvick barely made it. He made it in on points. The guy and, that won like ten races a year before. Or so. And that guy, because he got in on points, now has a chance to win a championship. Points are as important today as they've ever been in the history of sport. Yeah. And people forget that. So every position, how many times have we seen in the playoffs a guy tie somebody or 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 make the next round because of one damn point? It's never been like that. It's never been that close. So when you do that, when you say, okay, man, we're going to pay you points for every damn thing throughout the race, and those points are more important than ever, and if you win a race, you got a chance to win a championship, Which. From a guy that never won one is a big damn deal. You're going to get what we got. You're going to get people pushing and trying to make something happen. And the aggression level has gone through the roof. And with that, there has been some respect issues that have gone, that have deteriorated. I don't think we are in this culture problem. I think it's just quite simply the reward is so big and you know mark mark and i have talked about this i don't know if i could have existed in this this model it wasn't my i wasn't good at that i was not give me 600 miles with a race track and get go get i'll go get you some yeah. that's me you give me a 20 mile race on a great race with tons of grip i'm gonna run you 20th i just that's not me i don't know if i could have existed in this in the way they race today that doesn't make it wrong that doesn't make it wrong um These drivers that we have today are, don't tell me they're not as good as they used to be. I don't want to hear it's a bunch of crap. That's a bunch of crap. Those, these guys today could win races in any era. They could have win. They, I I don't want to hear, well, they they ain't as good
3: as y'all were. That's crap because they are. Are they driving, and I mean this with all due respect, are they driving harder than you drove all the time? Yes. Yeah. Yes.
5: So I drove, listen. I, my, I think it's important for everybody to understand that everybody has a tolerance level that's different. So, you know, when, when, when you put yourself in a stressful situation, whatever that is, some dude, if you're in the parking lot at Walmart and there's an altercation, one dude's going to walk, his comfort level is he's going to get in his car and drive off. Another guy's comfort level is he's going to get in that guy's face. And it's both normal to that person. That individual person, right? Yeah, I've been with him. So, but <laughs> that same thing happens on the racetrack. Tyler Reddick is really comfortable in situations that other people wouldn't be comfortable in. It's, it's a personality thing. Yeah. So I my comfort level wouldn't have fit this. And my comfort level was really, really beneficial. If you go look at the races I won, I won Darlington. I won Texas with a track that was horrible. I won... If you go look at the races I won, I won races that were really, really, really challenging racetracks that you had to put it all together for a long day. That was my strength. I never won an All Star race. I I I don't think I ever won a you know. I, I, so it's real important for you to be at a time in the sport where your skill set meets right, and and so I don't. There's no doubt in my mind that these drivers
3: could. Could be successful. They're 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 great race car drivers. They're no they're they're not different than we were. So how do you advise your son Harrison Burton to to live in this world? Because I know how you brought him up, and it wasn't to be that. No, it's not. And and uh, he's
5: he's having to change this car. Also, he's having to change the way what's made him successful. That that it's not that doesn't work with this car. You've got to. So that process is happening, and they're starting to connect the dots and but it is it is completely different than than what he has when he's won races in his career at every level it's it's different than the way you have to win races with this car That's another thing this car has changed the way you have to drive a race car and if you would have told me six months ago that these guys y'all see it every day i th- the way they drive these cars in the corner crazy oh looks like they're my qualifying god yeah and in January at Charlotte, they couldn't make a lap without spinning out, <laughs> and now they're yeah. like
1: yeah. barely lifting. I think nuts. You make a great point about your skill set matching your time because I think there's no better example of that than Ross Chastain right now. For whatever reason, this car just lends itself to Ross's driving style, and he's performing every week. We, you know, he's in the top five, top ten all race long. Um, what I wanted to ask you about because we've talked about this on the show, and we talked about Harrison here, so we can bring it in here. Um, some of us, namely um, the mouthy one in the middle, has been critical of, nope, the other middle now, um, critical of who's in the booth and what kind of ties they have to teams or drivers. Namely, we mentioned Chad Canals, Jeff Gordon. What, what's it like? Austin Dillon was in there. What's it like for you to have to be up there, you know, in the past Xfinity racing, now you'll have to go forward in the cup racing, watching Harrison and, and having to be impartial about anything that happens on the racetrack with him?
5: So I, you know, people laugh when I say this, I, I was a, I was a hard ass dad. So Harrison fully expects me to bust his ass if he does something wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't have to worry about hurting my son's feelings. Yeah, that's good. So, and, and it really, I mean, I feel like I don't, I have to have, I have to have the respect of the drivers that I'm covering, it is completely unfair and ridiculous and disrespectful for me to not recognize that I'm covering the sport, not my son. And if I can't walk in the garage and everybody know that I'm there to do my job and I can put that aside then I need to find something else to do. Yeah. And that I think it's not was multiple, fair to anybody.
1: Multiple instances and in you in Xfinity, I remember, you know, a couple of times he had issues and it was you know, I felt like you called it exactly how it happened. No, no, there was no bias, no, you know. Or no.
0: even when you were, when he was fighting for a win, it wasn't like you were rooting for him. You were specifically calling the race impartially, which was, I mean, impressive considering he's your son.
5: Well, so let's, I, it, it'd be foolish for me to think that people don't think that I want him to win. Yeah.
6: Right.
5: <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm a hard <laughs> ass, but I'm not cold cold <laughs> <laughs> Um, You know, clearly I want my son to win. Right. But- you know, when Harrison and Noah had that race at Texas and Harrison passed Noah on the last corner, that was a major event in that season for Noah. Way more than for Harrison. And the second they crossed the start-finish line, that's what I said. I made a comment about Noah, not Harrison, because that was the story of the race. The story of the race was you had this guy that if he wins a race, his season changes Major, and that wasn't the case for Harrison, and that was what was. I mean, I high fived. Uh, I think it was Jimmy with with racing insights. I was high fiving him as they're going across the line, talking about Noah, because that's my job. And and when I so when I look at the sport, I try to look at it from the entire thing, not from Harrison's
3: point of view. And if you do that, it's not very. Hard to cover the sport yeah we could we could literally Jason keep this going all day long I know we've got to get into the show but I want to ask Jeff one more thing um, you mentioned earlier you want the owners to to make money in racing you want them to be able to hire the next hot guy if you're an owner in the Cup series right now and you have a team um, that that is not you know, up to par. And, and there's a few of them out there. Who are you going to go get? Oh, man, that's so... That's not, that's not a current Cup Series driver. Like, who are you going to go oh, get? Oh, not a current yeah, Cup yeah, Series yeah. driver? You're, oh. you're bringing a guy up. Oh, God. Yeah, you're, um, you're not signing free agent Kyle Bush or maybe, you know, free agent Kevin Harvick or whoever. Like, who are you going to get? Oh, wow. That's that's a... Um, so, here's the
5: thing. If, if... So, I thought that what Denny Hamlin did this year... To bring in Kurt Busch to work with Bubba Wallace was brilliant. So I'm not going. I don't think there's a rookie out there that exists that I'm going to hire to help turn my team around. And that's not against anybody, right? I I, I would, you know, when when you know it, that's not the right move. I I, you know, you're not going to hire an Xfinity guy to come in or a truck guy to come in and turn your team around you have to hire a
3: guy understanding it's going to be a process so so if you're matt collig and you've got justin haley sitting there full-time and then you've got this other car you're running with multiple drivers noah graxon's in it aj amendinger's in it you know daniel hemrick's in it some like i if think amendinger ought to drive it all the time you, that's the guy you're going to go get for collig
5: yeah yeah because he gets the system he gets the, and that's not against, that's nothing against anybody. Right. But Amendinger's in a happy, he's in a happy place in his life. That team blends. Yeah.
3: And he gets the. So you don't think, you, you think you got to stay in the Cup Series to hire the next big thing?
5: Not to hire the next big thing, to hire the guy that's going to make an immediate impact on my team. I do. Yeah. If I'm going to make, if I'm struggling, your definition to me was, I got to turn this team around. Well, I got to go hire, I got to go hire, you know, somebody that I know can do it. I got to, which is what Denny did. Like he, when he hired Kurt Busch, what he did is he looked at everybody in his shop and went, can't blame an old driver. And there's times you have to do that. Like you have to, you know, when you hired Mark Martin, you could turn around and do All right, it's
2: yeah, on it's you, buddy. Not, it's not him. <laughs> it's not <laughs> this right? guy.
5: That's okay. That's what sports are. Like when you hired, when you hired, I mean, when you hired the, the rookies this year, they didn't hire any of the rookies this year, thinking that that was the guy that was going to take them to the promised land this year. Right. They hired the rookies, thinking, "Hey, we're gonna build. We're gonna build." It took me four years. Yeah, it took me four years to win a race, and I and I, you know, I won twenty one cup races and twenty eight or something. Xfinity, I should have won one more. They took one away from me, which is wrong. But, but. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah, they say they don't take wins well, away. Denny, Denny said you could have it back now last night. He's, yeah, he's giving wins Denny's, away. But so the, the driver <laughs> thing is the driver thing is really important. You have to you ha, it's very important to put the driver in the system in which he can be successful. Yeah. And I know that sounds crazy, but not every driver is the same. They're, trust me. None of y'all are the same. They're not the same. None of y'all are normal and, either. You no, know, you gotta he's, put the guy in a position that suits him. Or if you can't build a system around him, go get the guy that you can. Sometimes you have to ignore stats and get the guy that fits in your program.
0: Well, before we head into spot on, spot off, I think it's very important to note that it is a big weekend in racing with the Indy 500 and the Coke 600, but it's an even bigger Bigger weekend for Dirty Mo Media.
4: That is correct. Y'all are doing another sweet experience before the race Sunday at Charlotte. How are you looking forward to that?
3: It's going to be awesome. We've got uh, sixty-two people coming um, in a suite. Jeff Burton last time was kind enough to stop by in Las Vegas and stick his head in there and say hey and take some photos. And it's going to be freaking awesome. I mean, you talk about a a, a race—the Coke Six Hundred. We we've seen these wheels coming loose. We've seen these wrecks. We've seen drivers get mad. That happens in a one-and-a-half-hour window. Now we got a freaking 600-mile window. Yeah, I mean, you saw it all day
1: yesterday. You got flat tires and all this stuff, and it, I can't think of any better way to watch a
2: 600-mile race than in an air-conditioned suite with all the food and beer you could drink. <laughs> yes, that's uh,
3: – why would you do anything else? Yeah. I don't understand. And and the three of us and Mike Davis are going to be in there for at least a couple hours. That's one reason you wouldn't do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think the real star of the show is Jordan Taylor.
3: Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Who
0: will be in the suite with us. He's there all race or
1: or... we know we we know he's gonna be there. We don't know how long he's gonna be there, so don't miss him. Yeah, if it's too cold with the jorts, he's probably he's gonna be <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> That guy's fun. Uh but yeah, I mean uh preferred parking, uh got all the things. You're a rock star. And
0: and Jason, of course, is too important to be there this weekend yeah. and he will be an in Indy for the day two, or Indy five hundred. <laughs> I, I,
3: I did, for the first time in my life, I'm jealous of Jason Schultz. You're the same. Because I want to go to the Indy five hundred and the reason I would wanna go this year Solely go this year would be to watch Jimmy Johnson because, because A, he's on an oval where he had his best finish as an IndyCar driver a few weeks ago. And B, I think he may end up with a chance to win this race the way this race plays out in a way. And I've seen, you know, the Kurt Bushes of the world go out up there without the experience in those cars that Jimmy has. And I think he's probably and this is debatable, the best stock car driver to ever live, to see him get in that space now and get in his comfort zone and go 240 miles an hour or whatever those guys are doing. I was against him doing it, Burton. I was like, why the... Would this guy go run an indie car at now the Indy at 500 he, he 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 he's putting it i don't want him to do it What's that Brad was doing? And now, be, and now that I, was a be, quote be, on be, the show you literally said that and now i'm so excited he's doing it as a fan that i can't wait he's I fast he's fast you can
0: and if you watched qualifying yesterday and you saw that save that he made during his qualifying run like i think everybody has to have more respect than they've ever had for him so i can't wait to watch him on track and I can't wait to see some content from Journey Mo Media, too.
4: We're going to do all the fun things. Snake pit, drinking all day, milk, kissing the bread. What a great media company, Dale Jr.'s are there.
5: It's going to let us go have fun. Are you paying him to go? Or?
6: Yeah, that's a good
2: point.
6: <laughs> Although, they, well, when
2: he went to Vegas for the first time earlier this year, his first ever trip to Vegas, they had him, where was the first <laughs> The first hotel? Luxor. Luxor. So, they, <laughs> they didn't... They didn't allow songs. No. and You're welcome.
1: Thank yeah. you, Brett. What day, let me ask you this. What day are you planning on doing all this drinking?
4: Uh, Wednesday through Monday.
3: <laughs> <laughs> You'll
1: never so make it. So I saw what you looked like in the suite in Vegas, on, Vegas yeah. on, Saturday, on Sunday after well, a couple hours
4: on Saturday so i don't think there's is is there
0: somebody that will be there to like make sure there actually is content
4: yeah that's a good point we are launching a new series too called next level with andrew curland and he's uh, interviewing jimmy johnson this week it's going to be on dirty most social platforms yeah. all this week he's uh, gonna mm-hmm. be in charge of us but so we'll the be, guy that put diesel yeah. oh, the oh guy oh that put God. diesel
2: in his gas car this is, this is other in charge kid, of everybody andrew curland yeah. goes to the the cronkite school super smart kid. Takes his dad's car to the gas station and puts diesel fuel in it,
3: like at the gas pump. I'm going to ask you a a serious question, Jason, right now. Mm -hmm. How did Dirty Mo Media get an interview with Jimmy Johnson at the Indy 500? Did Dell Jr. make this happen, or did Dirty Mo Media go through like Amy Walsh? Like it was. How does this happen? This
2: producer, I probably
4: made it happen. Mike Davis Mm -hmm. made made a call and we set it all up. So we're going to get. I'm just curious. Yeah, exclusive. In Jimmy's head before he races the first I, I love 500, it. I awesome. I'm excited
2: about
3: it. I just was curious how you got
2: yep. to that point. It'll
4: be a good interview. Yeah. Jimmy so. will be awesome. Yeah. yeah. So follow Dirty Mo Media all week on social media. A lot of content coming out on Indy. What's amazing to me about Jimmy is that um,
5: you're talking about his qualifying run and practice. So he's willing to put himself out there. And um, I, at that stage in my life, nope. Like I... You know, I got done cup racing. I'm done. I don't even want to race, race a late model. Jimmy Johnson went, Yeah, you know what? I'll go do this. And <laughs> another huge series. Yeah. Hard. And knowing that you're going to get your ass kicked. And he did. And, and I, you know, I saw him at the 24 hour this year and I'm talking to him and I mean, he's happy as hell. And I'm thinking, <laughs> Damn, man, that don't look fun to me, but he's pushing himself. To be better, and I think that's what drives that guy, you know, and that's why he was so, when he was at his prime, that's why he was so great is that it was never good enough, never good enough, never rested, never quit, never, you know, and and that's what makes, you know, some people are so talented they don't have to work hard, but if you get that right guy that's that's super, super talented and works his ass off, he will destroy
3: you. That's Jimmy Johnson. That's Jimmy Johnson for sure. Yeah, yeah. 100%. So so we can't talk you into running an SRX race or anything, man. Man. Not even in South Boston? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) But we tried. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, fans.
0: All right, let's hear a little bit more about our presenting sponsor, OfferPad.
3: If you're hearing the message right now, it's a sign that you're about to make a big old move in your life. You are about to sell your home with our friends at OfferPad, the
2: easiest place to buy or sell a home and we're going to tell you exactly how to do it. Log on to OfferPad.com. Take five minutes to fill out the form about your home and submit it to
3: OfferPad so they can start working on your cash offer. The cash offer will be in your inbox within 24 hours after submitting the form. And that offer comes with a lot of perks. With OfferPad, you can sell without listing, there are no showings, you pick your own closing day, a
2: free local move is included, and the option for a three-day extended stay. Those are some awesome different perks. You can also browse OfferPad.com for homes to buy
3: and make sure you pick one out with a pool for Brett. I need a pool, as hot as it is in here. We just raced in an OfferPad market in Dallas and Fort Worth, Texas. Now we're headed home to Charlotte, which is also a huge market for OfferPad. Those are two great markets to buy or sell
1: a home in. You can come be neighbors with all of us in Charlotte and be close to the lake, great food, and everything
2: racing. When asked where you heard about OfferPad, select the NASCAR option so they know we sent you.
4: Spot on, spot off. It goes like this. Spot on means you agree. I'm spot on. Are you joking me? He's lost his mind. Oh, and by the way, no one ever seems to agree. And then spot off means you disagree. Spot off. Uh, here we f-ing go. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But if you're TJ, um, uh, uh, there's only one correct answer i don't know it's time for spot on spot off
0: all right spot on spot off first topic nascar throws a caution on the white flag lap of the all-star race for ricky Stenhouse jr hitting the wall freddie oh boy yeah
3: (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad you asked him first
0: (laughs) yep
2: you got 45 seconds go uh spot off thousand
1: percent um this happened right in front of us we were we were running i don't know 10th 12th something like that and ricky was two cars about five cars on the track two cars ahead of us um and just looked at me like he got a flat and took off up the racetrack and i asked his spotter tab i said did you get the fence he said no i don't think so now i don't know if i didn't see a replay of it so i don't know if he hit the fence or not but you know they called out turn two we looked up ricky was still rolling down the back straightaway. And I thought he was easily going to make it to pit road. It wasn't didn't look to me like he was shredding parts or anything. And I was really surprised that they threw the yellow flag there for some reason. Um, I didn't I didn't understand it. I didn't understand the timing of it. Um, I I don't know. I, I just to me this whole weekend there was a lot of questionable cautions on when they did throw them and when they didn't throw them. And I just we harp on here all the time about consistency with the caution flag. And and again this was another case where
3: we didn't get it. Yeah. Brett. I want Burton to go next.
0: Well, I was trying
6: to. like, I know you're ease trying to go in, in order,
3: but I want Jeff Burton to go next because yeah. I. Sorry, I, 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 tried. I, I think uh, I want to hear Jeff's opinion before I before I totally tell. Is this the
5: start of this discussion?
0: Well, because something tells I mean, me this is not no, going to be a short discussion. Don't, don't you worry? This it, is going to come it, up again. Yeah, <laughs> this will keep coming up, so you might as well just say your piece now.
5: Well, I don't. This is you guys' show, so I don't want to control the tempo. Well, show. Yeah, no, yeah. really. How Wait. do you think?
0: I I can guarantee you, Brett will have some ass remark I, no matter I, what you say. So, what do you think of the fact that they called that caution right at the end of
5: the That was spot off for sure. And and um, listen, and to their credit, they admitted it. Right. You know, to their credit, they came out and said, "Hey, we, you know, that was on us." And. You know, Scott. Listen, I've known Scott Miller for a long time. Scott Miller, I got where I couldn't hit my ass on the racetrack, and I won. A, I got winning again and contending for to win a championship. And Scott Miller was crew chief. I've known Scott Miller for a long time. He's a good guy, and there's a lot of good people in that in that in that uh, NASCAR tower, and a lot of racers in that NASCAR tower, hardcore racers, and they but they screwed up, and and um, it's you know it's not a mistake that they should have made. Um, I am always, you know, I'm, I'm a little sympathetic because I think that anytime you start changing the damn rules for a special event, you open the door for stuff and any other race, they throw that caution, race is over. Everybody's locked in. It's done. They throw that caution and it's a unique deal. They took the white flag, a normal race race is over, but now it's not and those guys have to adjust on the fly to that. It was not a caution that needed to be thrown for any reason, even if it would have been in the middle of the race. That's what was confusing to me. Like, that caution just didn't need to come out. And so they they owned it. Uh, But then when you make the mistake, how do you handle it? And I will tell you that I think, one of the worst calls in the history of the sport, in the history of the damn sport, was when they put Jeff Gordon in the damn playoffs because of what happened at Richmond with, with the MWR cars. that Brett, yeah. That was, a, it was <laughs> Brett. <laughs> that was one of the dumbest things that ever happened in the history of the sport. And I will tell you, when they made that call, it made me wonder if I even wanted to be in this sport. It was so horrendous to put a guy in the sport because what might have happened— Bull crap. You don't know what would have happened. You can't make a call on what might have happened. So I hear people say they should have brought him down pit road. Don't buy all that. What they did, well, I'm watching it. I had left the racetrack and gone to the hotel and was watching the race in the hotel. I was acting, full confession, I was at the bar. There were three guys at the bar and they were like, what's happening? And I'm like, he ain't getting that window net up. And they turn, around, they turn no. around and look, and they <laughs> recognize me like, well, there's a guy that should know. I said, he ain't getting that damn winning net up. It ain't happening.
6: <laughs> Not possible. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Brett, but and, we, we've talked about this a lot, where fans basically are pissed off when the race ends under yellow. So now they're trying to change it. Don't you have to give NASCAR credit for making at least an effort on on a non-point no, race?
3: If it's a real yellow, it was another 100 feet. Yeah, I, I mean, I back up to Saturday's race. I'm spot off for this, obviously. I back up to Saturday's race, and – and we had a car to spin in one and two, a lap after a restart. And it was in the middle of the pack. And it was a full-blown wreck. And we stayed freaking. When I got I finished when I got finished spotting that particular wreck, the whole spin in front of you, he's in the middle, go to the bottom, do all these things. And I look down and I'm like, They're, they have a, thrown a freaking caution. It's under green. You got to go. Then the next thing I see, Justin Allgaier, who had a dominant car, he goes into one. He gets a flat. He is completely out of the way. He's not throwing debris on a racetrack. He comes off a two, and they throw a caution. And I'm yeah. like, so we throw a caution for something that's not a wreck, but when we actually have a wreck, we don't throw a caution. It goes back to what Freddie said, consistency. Here's what I want to know, and this is a question I asked Jay Fabian last year, and he didn't answer me. Who decides if we're throwing the caution? That, that's what I want to know is who actually – because that's the person that needs to be a, – is it is a Scott Miller? Well, Scott, if you listen to what Scott Miller said last night – And I love Scott and, Miller too, by the way. Yeah,
5: what Scott Miller said last night was that they, were, they saw the incident, they were talking about it, and the, he, the, the quote – I'm not going to get it perfect – race director looked up, not sure what he was looking at. He pushed a button to throw the caution. That was Scott Miller's words. Okay. So in that situation, that was the race director that has the button that turns the caution lights on.
3: He looked up, saw something, hit the button. That's in. Do you think the race director in the Cup Series should change on a weekly basis, or should it be one person that is a David Hoots mastermind of that position? Do we do we need one guy or do we need multiple guys in that role? If, so if listen, the, the common sense tells me one guy, but I but but
5: you know, listen, I I. One thing I've learned in my life is that until you walk in someone else's shoes, you don't really understand what they do. You don't really understand the challenges. So common sense tells me there should be one guy, but I don't know the pitfalls in having one guy. There's a reason they have two. They're not a bunch of dumbasses. There's a reason that they have two. Now, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but there is, if they have two or three or four, whatever that number is, I don't, I honestly don't know, but Common sense tells me the same way we, I remember the conversations about NFL referees, should they be full-time people? And I'm like, well, hell yeah. I invest my Sunday to watch an NFL game. I want it to be officiated the best it can. But did having a full-time guy make the officiating better? Just because I thought it did or would didn't mean that it, was actually going to happen. I think it helps with consistency and, well, and having. Thomasin says
3: yes, but again, I don't know the pitfalls of that. Yeah, I don't and, know. And having having been on the roof twenty plus years, and and I think my peer spotters here will agree. Um, it helps us. Because we know what the tower is probably going to do versus in those scenarios where you don't know what the hell is going to happen. And it literally ends up being a crap show. I mean, right now on any given weekend, we have three different voices that we hear in race control, whether that's running practice, qualifying or the actual races themselves. Obviously, multiple series. I get that one person shouldn't be asked to do all those things all weekend long. But maybe they should because the spotters do them all all weekend long. Yeah, but y'all's job's easy. <laughs> hey, I will say though, when when like when you had David
2: Hoots, you knew what was pretty much going to be a caution. He knew what you were going to do on a restart. He knew your little tricks. He told, get him up he there. He called him
3: Jimmy Jackin'.
2: Yeah, he would he would call people out coming to the green because he knew their tricks, and he'd be like, Rocky, get him up. He call like he would say, Rocky, get it, you know, get him on up there, or whatever. Um. so I think that consistency helps a lot too and it just seems like it, it did flow like it flowed really well so my question to you guys who, who with you guys
3: has sat down with NASCAR and said here's our opinion so we got you I'm not, I don't so we, you guys. we actually have a be- better open channel right now with NASCAR than okay. we ever have, um, whether that be email, text or, or talking or on the radio. Um, the last time I talked <laughs> to Tim Berman in length was in Daytona about some radio issues that we have as a group. And I gave him my advice and he took it very openly. So I, I think, Jeff, like coming from us it, it's the best it's ever been. I think it it literally is just to Freddie's point. It's just inconsistency. They yeah. got they got to get more consistent. Well, I, listen, I, I
5: I last night was a screw up, and I uh, there was a few others. I thought there was a caution thrown for Harvick at uh, a few week. weeks ago. Yeah, yeah with, last week, with tire on the spin. front. Like, yeah, that was odd. Yeah. Uh, yes, I, I see what you're saying, and we do need the, the co- competitors deserve consistency. The fans deserve consistency, and it's easier for NASCAR when they're consistent, and so. They have to make sure that when things like this happen or the caution you mentioned, you know, why? Why are we doing this? How do we do better? Yeah. And and I've spent a lot of time with NASCAR over the last six months. And I was one of those drivers that went in the hauler every when I drove, I was in the hauler every week. I went in there every week. And because I wanted to make sure they knew what, what I thought. And there's no doubt in my mind that they want to be better. Than they are. There's no doubt in my mind about that.
3: Now, that doesn't cover up for last night because last night shouldn't happen. Well, can't we? I, I will say this openly. We still have, despite the fact that, that Jeff Gluck's poll this week isn't trending well, we still have the best all star event in all sports because our all star event is all out. It's not two hand touch football, it's not give me a free dunk basketball like we see in other sports. These guys are going full out, 100%, 190 miles an hour. Like We still have the best form of an if all-star race, no con- matter how gimmicky it is. You
0: complained about all the rules that we talked about last week for the all-star race. If NASCAR didn't try to switch things up for this race, you would be complaining that it's too boring.
5: You know why they switch them up? Why? Because they want to make sure the race is good. Yeah. You know how to make the race good? Take it to the right racetrack. Fair. And, and you know, I've, I said 15 years ago, that the All Star Race ought to be at Hickory Motor Speedway. It ought to be at the historic racetracks of NASCAR. It should go to South Boston Speedway. It should go to Hickory Motor Speedway. It should go. It should rotate through the the racetracks that help build this sport. It should rotate through those little towns that help build this sport. And if you did that, and let Marcus and his team, because you're taking a race from them that Marcus and his teams promote those races like they do at Coda, you wouldn't have to have all those stupid damn rules because the race itself would take care of it. I agree with you. And, and, and when you have to start making rules to create the race, that's, we get into these issues and, and the hope for, for Texas this year was that we have seen the best mile and a half race in, I don't want to say in the history of the sport, but we've seen great mile and a half racing this year. So there's been some good races. Yeah. The hope was, hey, we're going to get that at Texas, right? But what our expectation for an all star race is we think Davey Allison and Kyle Petty across the start finish line every all star race is normal. It's not. And so, but you will stand a better chance of having that if you did it on a track that you couldn't get away from each other. and it needs to be at a real short track. And 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 if you did that, you would build energy back into the sport. You would connect to those small towns that you used to be connected to. You would have a major positive influence on those economies. You would build tons of excitement about the sport. And you could do it with 10,000 fans. You don't need 50,000, 100,000, 70,000. You don't need it. And the PGA does it every week. They bring they bring the grandstands, they bring the suites, they bring the restrooms, they do it every week. We could do it. And and you would have better racing and you wouldn't have to have create these gimmicky rules to make it so that you are trying to have a better race.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you saw that last year with the SRX series. You know, when the SRX series, I namely Stafford, because that's a place I know I'm familiar with a lot of people that work there. Like there was no tickets to be had for that race because the SRX was bringing Tony Stewart and Helio and whoever else to town. I mean that place was as packed as I've ever seen it. I'm sure all the other SRX races were very similar. So you take these, like Jeff said, these these stars to these small towns. You're gonna this, these places are gonna be mobbed with people. Um, and like you said, you don't need to have
2: a hundred thousand people there to, to to put on a good show. I think what Jeff said is the most important thing there is that you can't get away right now. You can't get to each other and, and you go into one and in qualifying, and we can hear these guys when they lift now and you got the guy, the guys up front are, you know, mom back in like, and then you got guys that just lift for a couple seconds. They're half a second off at a short track. You don't have that.
1: I looked down yesterday at the last, the, like 12 to 15, 12 to go. Danny had put tires on whatever, 25 to go, 27 to go and Blaney's on the same tires he started that stage with, Blaney's two-tenths faster than him. Like, I don't understand. I mean, that's Denny obviously a tire issue. he couldn't pass us. Yeah, I mean. could get around us. <laughs> it's obviously an issue with the tire, but, you know, at the same time, like, that, that's the race we're putting on where this guy's out there on
2: 25-lap older tires, and he's still faster than the guy just because he's in a little bit of dirty airbag. Pit. But if you go to a Hickory, what happens there? You can't. You can't do what you can do at Hickory. If Alex Bowman had four tires last night at the end and couldn't pass us, I'm going to go ahead and tell you if he gets to us at a hickory, he's going to get around us because he's going to go in there and lay out, not break quite as hard and shove us up the racetrack. And that, then we're going to race side by side until he has enough of it and he's going to roll us up a little higher than we want to in the middle and take off. But that, that's good racing. Like, I'm not saying when I saw some great racing, I did see some great racing last night. I watched, shoot, I watched Alex and Ricky race side by side for five laps straight, but at a short track. You know, one one slip up in a corner, and a guy's there, and if he's within a striking distance, there that that's I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, you know, you know when a guy's close enough down a back straightaway, to oh, is he gonna do it? Is he gonna do it? You know what I mean? Like I, I'm I agree with Jeff on the short track stuff where you just can't get away and put tire have a few guys stay out or something, put tires on a cup, let them come through there. That's how it used to be. We we just have an expectation level for an all star race that's different than we
5: do, for a six hundred mile race. Yeah, for sure. And we should. We should.
3: Yeah. We Nothing should. wrong with
5: that. Oh. And and remember, I don't know how many of you guys have sat in something going 195 mile an hour and get turned around backwards. Nah, no, I'm out. It hurts. It looks like it hurts. And and it's an awful lot to ask. I mean, these guys don't sit in those race cars thinking about getting hurt but it's a whole nother world when you can just damn door slam the hell out mm-hmm. of somebody and maybe get out and, and you know, you're the is getting punched in the face is different than the consequence head on in the wall at, yeah. at, at Texas. It's different. I think we saw this
1: yesterday. We, me and Brett were talking about it during the open. Um, Suarez came across the eighth's nose in the second or third stage, and they could easily wreck if, if Redick wanted to stay in there, they were going to wreck. Um, and, Somebody on his team, I don't know if it was crew chief spotter, told him, you know, when you get back to him, you better, you know, take care of that. And Reddick's like, no, I'm not wrecking a guy in this car at this place. Like, that, you don't do that here. You know, like, it's not something you can do. Um, so, you know, that, that you have to race with that respect level of, you know, and we have, we build it up. Like, what are these guys willing to do for a million
3: dollars? You know, I'm this is, you, this Hickory, is it, you know? Hickory,
1: that guy's going up the hill. Oh, yeah, he's gone. Easily. This is a
3: good segue to this next point. Yeah.
1: Yep. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp.
2: Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit
1: BetterHelp.com slash bumper today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash bumper.
0: Ryan Blaney wins on the final restart without a fully fastened window net and isn't penalized when Scott Miller says that they felt Blaney had the window latched because he has both hands on the wheel and the window net was up. Spot on, spot off, Brett.
3: Okay, I'm a spotter. And I know that he can't put his window net back up. Jeff's a driver. He said on here earlier, he knows he can't put his window net back up. When you watch the beginning of this race, the majority of time, one of the biggest, strongest guys on the team is the guy who is up there fastening this window net. So there's no way in hell that they actually thought that window net was up. And the first thing I thought of when this happened, and I hate to bring this up but it was Jerry Nadeau at Richmond, where he had a terrible wreck getting into turn one. He hit driver's side, and he hit the wall. And we aren't sure, I was told, we aren't sure if the window net was able to keep his helmet from hitting the wall, the way his body gave and flexed and the way his head went. We're at a mile and a half, and we're doing massive, major high speeds. So for me, I think what they should, first of all, Ryan Blaney's an idiot. For dropping his window net. Sorry, race ain't over. You had, I mean, what I hear a pilot say, when I hear, when I talk to good pilots and Jeff's been around a lot of good pilots, they're responsible for that airplane from the time it moves until it parks back at the next gate. So even though they're already on the ground, the reason they ask you to keep your seatbelt fastened is something might happen. So he drops his window net before start finish. That's his dumb ass fault. He screwed that up. But him thinking the race was over, it being an all-star race, NASCAR should have said if they're going to let him stay in that position, which they did, they didn't black flag him, if they're going to let him stay at the point, they should have brought him in and they should have let him fix it and then give him a spot back. Otherwise, you got a black flag. They, the number one thing I want for my nine-year-old kid playing baseball is the umpires to keep the game safe. That's the official's jobs. I don't think that was the case yesterday. I'm huge spot off for this. I'm
1: okay with bringing him down pit road, but I don't think you bring him down and let him fix it. That's his mistake. You said it. He was my leading candidate for what an idiot this week because he didn't know the rules. The, the, the first rule about my job is know the damn rules and you got to know the rules. That was the yellow flag you saw, not the checker flag. I noticed that, you know, I, I'm full disclosure, I didn't know that that was a deal, but when I saw that that was the yellow flag and not the yellow and the checker together, I said this thing ain't over, you know. And he made that mistake and like you said, we know that he did not could not Properly fastened his window net. What he did was pulled it out of the backside for anybody. Faked it. What anybody doesn't know, you know, he, he had it fully connected and was trying to latch it, trying to latch it, couldn't get it. So what he did was pulled it out of the backside to take all the tension off it, so he could latch it with the front he and make it. it appear that it was latched. And he did a good job of it because it was latched. It was latched. It just wasn't properly fastened because the back wasn't in there. Um, so you know, I don't. I don't, I'm okay with like, if you want to bring them down and check it, but when you get down there and it's not right, sorry, your black flag. You, you made that mistake. You can't let them fix it just because you threw a, a bogus
3: caution. Um, but you know, I don't. You also can't knowingly let him stay out there at 190 oh, miles 100%. an hour, knowing the thing ain't up. No,
1: you, Well, they're you know
3: they're listen.
1: This deal was very convoluted right from the beginning because we rode around for a long time for a caution that wasn't even supposed to be a caution while he's trying to get the window net up and the second that he got it latched we got the latest one to go we got all night it was off a of turn four okay one to go at the line this time so it was there was there was there were they were they knew that they had screwed this up I feel like and they kind of knew that they were it seemed to me like they were giving him ample opportunity to get that thing back up there and then as soon as he did we were rushing one to go and we that was we get one to go where every week Oh, in middle of one and two, wow. you know, like, latest three. It's usually that they're they're usually releasing the lucky dog or wave arounds, whoever off a of turn two, and it's one to go down the back. You know it's coming. They close pit road. You know it's coming. And this time it was oh, I want to go right here, and we were in the four, and so I was like, oh, shit, we're going one to go. You know our choose numbers this or whatever. But there there was there was some. St-
2: some things going on there that were out of the ordinary for what was normal for that situation.
0: TJ, spot on, spot off.
2: I mean, I, as much as it pains me to tell, say that these two guys are right, they, they're <laughs> pretty spot on. It, what scares me about it is we just witnessed Ross Chastain basically get all the way up Flying on Flying through the air, yeah. Yeah, with his driver's window net close to the ground. And I know, I, I mean, I couldn't when I, I couldn't get a street stock window net up by myself. There's no way this thing... And the glow in the dark gloves that um, Ryan would wear. <laughs> I mean, that, when you look at that TV screen, what's the first thing that you see? Oh yeah, the gloves. Um, I mean, I love it because you can see the hands. That's one of my favorite things about when they show them head-on shots. You can see when the guy's hands did he hook him? Well, we. I mean, he, he turned into him. But uh, yeah, I mean, like I know we're gonna talk about it in a couple, another topic or two, but. Like that's it wasn't latched and it needs to be. Well, it latched. was latched. It just wasn't. It wasn't done properly. Secured, and properly. after seeing Ross get up like that, I mean, and there could have been another wreck, man. And I, I worry about a guy safety like that. But you you need to know the rules first of all. I saw the yellow and it said in there, race cannot finish under yellow. You know, and that's that happened. And you got to know, Jeff. So I
5: clearly. I clearly didn't like the call, but I, I, a couple things. It's more complicated than that for me because I I told you I was watching the, the race in the bar. I just told the guys at the bar he's not getting it latched. And when Scott, when I saw Scott say he had both hands on the wheel warming the tires up, I thought the same exact damn thing. Like I looked I when when I saw him down the back straightaway, both hands on. I went how in the hell did he get that thing latched? Now, I'm watching it. Not a big screen TV. It's not, you know what I mean? I don't have a great view. And I am and I could see the Velcro strap flapping, which that is on there. Just you have to put that on so you can get the thing tight. They strap that on, then Velcro it. And I'm like, how in the hell did he get it up there? Like, I didn't know how it. he got it. And so my brain went to somehow he got it latched. But again, I don't have a big screen TV, I'm not able to see it. But in my brain, I'm thinking somehow he got it latched. And NASCAR, I don't know what cameras they had, how tight they could get. I don't know that. I never saw a shot from where I was sitting that showed it wasn't latched. I mean, I knew it was latched, but that it wasn't until driving to the airport, I'm like, he must have not gotten the back in there. Like some, He had enough or someone told him by the way, that was a million dollar latch of a windinet. Yeah. Um, so from a safety side of things, I don't like that they let if they knew it wasn't latched, I don't like that. Because you either are gonna do it or you're not. And the call, the bad call to call the caution put them in a position where they did not want to freaking take it from take it from him. Yeah. And that put them in a situation Denny Hamlin rightfully was pissed um i you know one wrong, two wrongs don't make the first one you know if you do something wrong, you do it again wrong, it doesn't fix the first one. That was my point about the brian france thing when when they put when they put Jeff Gordon in trying to fix a wrong, they made it worse. two wrongs don't make it right no, and then and so last night, I have to say, I think there was a little bit of that, but again, I have a little bit of sympathy and 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 on the safety thing. The wind and net's there for a reason. It's no longer there for why it used to be there. It's there for an intrusion of a, you know, an intrusion. It's not going to keep a car from coming in the car, uh, you know, into the driver, but it would keep a piece of debris coming in there. You, would, you wouldn't you would have a Jerry Nadu situation where you potentially could get the driver's head in the wall. None of that. The seat does all that today. So that wind and net, the importance of that wind and net has come way down, but it's there for a reason and you have to
3: treat it you have to treat it accordingly the the drivers and i've worked for drivers that their seatbelts for whatever reason would come un, unlatched during a race and they would come over the radio and say ah my seatbelt just come unlatched and i'm like you, i i'm thinking you got to pit like right now and these guys aren't normal they they'd keep running they'd run two three more laps and finally the crew chief would be like you're pitting this lap the driver is never going to give up because of of that like that you that can't one, put it in their hands no, you, you have you, to make you, you have to you have to protect them from themselves you have to be together. the godfather in that situation and take care of you guys
0: well jeff you alluded to this earlier but denny hamlin had a very strong opinion about this and says they should have black flagged Blaney and says that that is not a judgment call. You got to play by the rules where NASCAR really got away with one is we nearly crashed off turn two. So when I send them headfirst in the traffic and the window nets down, then they got a lawsuit on their hands. What do you guys think about that, Jeff?
5: Well, I, I, listen, I don't, I don't know about all the, the lawsuit and all that. I don't know about all that, but I do believe that what Denny is saying is, you know, at least partially correct because here you are with a guy, you're watching him. He hasn't went that down. You know, he can't get it latched and you're like It's my spot, you know, it's a safety issue. You don't have a choice. I, I see where he's coming from. I don't, I don't disagree with Denny at all. I, 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 you know, Denny will go a little further than I would the way he <laughs> says things, but, but <laughs> what he, the essence of what he's saying is he's not wrong. I mean, he's not wrong in saying, Hey, we're either going to call it for, for
2: safety or we're not. And he's not wrong for saying it.
0: TJ, what do you think?
2: This another painful. I, I agree with Danny as well. Denny's right again. Uh, <laughs> Told you, he hit the <laughs> he uh, hit the nail on the head, man. I mean, y- you're not gonna not gonna let somebody else run around there with a window net that could be down. Um, it just, wouldn't happen on the fifth lap of the race. No, so yeah, it shouldn't happen on the last. It, it doesn't matter what lap it's on if it's not la- if it's not correctly put
3: up. It's not correctly put up. I I think that a NASCAR official should have been in their pit box. And I think NASCAR should have said, for safety reasons, Ryan Blaney has to pit. And if we find that his window net is secure, he can maintain his position as a leader. If it is not, we're going to have to fix it. And he's going to have to start in the back. The I don't. It's a hard thing to do because you put it in have that been position okay to that. start with. I'd have been okay with that.
5: But, I, I think I I agree with you. You can't let them fix it. You can't let them fix it. No, but, absolutely not. But it wouldn't be wrong to say, "Hey, prove me you got it fixed." Yeah,
1: yeah. I think that's what I think that would have been the the best case scenario of come down here and sh- we see it all the time. Short track racing, especially, you know, you, the guy in front of me is leaking. Okay, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna bring him in here and check if he's leaking. If he's leaking. He's not. He's no. He's got to stay on pit road and fix it. If he's not leaking, you go back out there. You get your spot back. You know. I don't. I don't know what the rule is. I got to look up and see the wording of the rule. But like, is the window net? I mean, we rode around there for I don't know four or five laps while he was trying to get it up. Like, is that should he be black flagged under caution? That's eight or nine
6: minutes, by the way. Yeah,
1: and that's uh, like these. It has to be latched at all times on a racetrack, right? So even under caution, I would think. It should have been, uh, listen, his, your window
2: net's down, post at 12 right now. Your side window's out. The, 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 the window, out, the window net's you down. You know, yeah. the first, as soon as he drops it, it should be. It happens once you know, or twice a year, most of the time. And every time that person gets brought to pit yeah, road. And
1: it should be, and it should be immediately. As soon as you see it, not like, okay, right before we go green, you know, it's, it was almost like they were waiting to see if he could get it latched before we go back green. And if we couldn't, they, they were, were going to black flag. Know, remember, remember,
2: they would, they would holler at us to tell our drivers to keep your windows nets up until you get to pit road. Remember, like after races, like tell your drivers windows window nets up till they get to pit road. I quit listening after the checker, checker flag. I don't. Well, cool. you're on the elevator at that point. <laughs> oh, I got uh, Brett. I got he's Brett yesterday. He did. He pumped <laughs> the <laughs> out of me.
1: He'll <laughs> love this. Yes. So Brett is, you know, he was gonna fly home immediately after the open because if he, if they didn't make it, and uh, so he's got all of his stuff, and he's like, okay, well, you know, this sucks. We're not gonna make it, but but I'm going home now. I'll be home by eight nine o'clock. So he's races over. He's got all his stuff packed up, and he's done. And I'm I'm on my phone, just pretending like I'm scrolling through on his phone. I'm like, like at my he's phone reading
3: something intensely. And I'm like,
1: "Oh," I said, "Damn, Justin Haley won the fan vote." I tell him, and he's like, his face dropped. He's like, <laughs> uh-uh.
3: I was like, I'm like, I'm just I kidding. I told Justin the week before. We had crashed out, and ironically, we went to a bar. We caught on fire, so we went to a bar. Haley and I did. And I was like, listen, man, I love you. I want you to race your way in this all-star race. I'm not going to get on Twitter and promote anybody to vote for you. <laughs> because if we don't race our way in, I don't think we deserve to be there. Uh, yeah. I don't like this
5: fan vote. I hate to. I, 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 when, I, when I had to run that damn thing, it made me so mad after to run the open. It was so embarrassing. And um, I mean, it is. It's like, you
2: suck. You got to run the open. <laughs> And,
5: and, and now you
0: have to drive all the way to Texas yeah. to run the open
2: Yeah. And, 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 um, and a race did not even suit you. <laughs> and
5: they, if we're going to do the fan vote, you need to politic. My ass ain't politicking for somebody to vote for me. Like, if they want to, they can, but I am not you're, going to. Do, not I mean, there votes. was political campaigns over oh. voting for you. The hell with that.
0: Oh, Not in any money.
5: part of that. It's oh, getting whoa.
0: hot. Oh, spot on, spot off. Dale Jr. tweets, stage one was about as fun as a rice cake. <laughs>
3: What? Right. <laughs> I've never even had a rice
2: cake, but it sounds miserable. It is. I, I text I him and I question him, like, "What? How bad is actually a real rice cake?" So and he's like, so "Dude, he, they're you, so bad." Neither of you have ever had a rice cake. It is not no. good if you're on no. a
0: diet. ever like, had. You ever, that's had, literally you ever, you
6: ever like, Freddie looks like he's been on a diet. <laughs> 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 you
3: ever put a piece of cardboard in your mouth and like chew it for
6: a minute because it tastes a like, lot
3: like. So, so we were texting last night, and, and Dale Junior. I was like, "Who eats rice cakes?" He's like, "We weren't allowed to have sugar in the house." <laughs> so, obviously, Dell Jr. wasn't a big fan of stage one. I don't think he was a big fan I'm of I'm spot on for drunk Dell Jr. tweeting. That's what I'm spot on for. Hey,
5: listen, one thing One thing that you get with Dell Jr. is 100% honesty. He will tell – he is the most – he and Mark Martin are the two most honest people I've ever been around in my life. They might say some stuff you wish they hadn't
6: said. <laughs> but yeah, it's their straight-up
1: honest true. opinion. That is true. <laughs> so Talk about Mark. Just to go back on this Blaney thing for a second. What's, what's the bigger f- up? Blaney dropping his net and almost costing himself a million dollars or should have probably cost himself a million dollars or Mark coming down pit road on the white flag. Well, definitely Mark. Mark, because Mark, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Blaney got away with it. Mark
1: didn't. <laughs> well, no, Denny gave Mark his win back last night. He gave Mark that win back. He gave, uh, he gave <laughs> Dale a championship, I think, last
3: night. He was giving out trophies because he said we can do it. NASCAR can do whatever they want. now. I talked to Denny last night. He's like, I would love to come on Door bumper Clear, but I'm glad it's not going to be tomorrow. He said, but make sure you now, get Jeff to give his opinion.
2: We're all yeah. over it on
3: here. Uh, yeah, that's, that event.
2: bit
6: well, hey, Denny, Denny's fine.
2: speaking his mind. Denny is definitely so speaking
6: we, his we, mind. Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> we said this on the show multiple times. We need to keep a Kyle and a Denny in the sport always. I mean, they share what they're thinking and a lot of changes I feel like have been implemented because of their feedback too.
3: How many times do you talk to Denny and be like, man, just like tone it down a little bit or do you just let him go?
5: I like I like I like him to go, man. I like to know what people think. I like to know what their opinion is. I like to know what they think. And they, you know, listen. We all have our beliefs, and for a reason. And I just want to understand why you think. You know, <laughs> right. like you have a really yeah. strong opinion. I want to know the whole story. Why? Why? Right? Yeah. I want to know the whole story right. because. Uh, I mean, hell, what if we did that in everyday life? What if we looked at the guy next to us and said, "You know what? I respect you for the for." You have an opinion about something because of reason. What is that reason? I may completely disagree with you, but I'm going to respect you
2: because you have that opinion for a reason. I just want to understand it. Wouldn't we be a whole lot damn better off? off? We would be. I tell you what, next week we'll get Dell Jr. here. We'll find out what this rice cake stuff's all about.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We'll bring
6: that next week. I want rice
4: cakes all around, Jason. Rice cakes for the studio. If you soak
5: them in rum, they're pretty
4: good. (laughs) Oh, now we know how how to do it. Now, yeah. Hey, Denny might be on another podcast this week. So. I heard he is. He told me he's on uh, DJD this week. So that's awesome. that should be interesting. Yeah. Oh, boy.
3: Oh, that'll be huge.
0: All right. Spot on, spot off. Tire issues force leader Kyle Busch to slow on the front stretch, and Ross Chastain plows into him. Chastain's spotter then says he never saw it because he was paying attention to Blaney, who was racing right next to Ross. TJ.
2: Uh, I mean... I don't I don't know whatever you spot on or spot off. He's spotting. He's working. You know, you look when your car is side by side with somebody, you don't really take your eyes off them a lot. And most of the time, it's it's just a bad situation. You know, you kind of, you're catching a car really fast. You kind of expect him to stay in the middle, but he's trying to get out of the way. And the the spotter, you can't, it's hard to look away from your car. I mean, you know that whenever you're racing with somebody, you're looking at you until you're clear them. And then you, as soon as you get close, you scan ahead a little bit or um, and that's, that's a tough spot there as well. And that's just a freak thing that happened. So I don't really know if there's a right or wrong on the spot spotter at that point is,
3: Spotting is more distracting now than it's ever been because we have more access to technology than we've ever had. And, and I'll flat out admit during the Xfinity Series race, there was a crash off of turn two and we had had some damage. We're trying to make minimum speed. We had cleared the car we were racing in one and two and I literally looked down to see if we made the 34-second minimum speed, and I'm like 33-something. I was like, we're good. I look up, and I keep to tell Daniel, and he's driving <clears throat> by a car that's spinning, yeah. and I'm like, holy cow. And it's that fast I took my eye off the track to look at my phone for my lap time to when I look back up, and I'm like, oh, I'm glad you saw that. Holy cow, spin behind you. There's a caution out, right? So when when you're spotting – Um, You tend to or I tend to watch the car that I'm spotting for. And if they're in traffic, you're helping them maneuver that traffic. And then you're constantly scanning about 25 percent of the racetrack ahead. Because if something happens ahead, you need to be able to tell them you're not so much worried about behind them, what's going on behind them, unless there's a big run coming. Um, but, But as a spotter for Brandon McReynolds to stand up for him. Uh, it's it's extremely difficult to watch the car be in traffic and also have the peripheral vision to see trouble up ahead. And you often, I can't tell you how many times, I spotted for Burton for three years, I can't tell you how many times I'd see him slow down and wonder, why is he slowing down? And it would be because he saw something before I would see it. Because we're so focused on that car at that moment in time if they're if they're covered inside or outside
1: i mean i wrecked the hell out of bubba at vegas in an xfinity race for that reason we you know we went into one amarola put us middle of three wide and i'm spotting my you know i'm spotting just off that three wide trying to get clear and it was into one and then somebody spun off a two and by the time we got clear i looked up i scanned up and oh check up check up and it was just too late you know bubba locked the brakes up and and slid into them And it's just like you said, like you 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 can't look at two places at once. You know, you're I'm spotting off of a three wide situation, and then all of a sudden, when we go, okay, we're clear that three wide deal. Oh, there's a car stopped in front of us. You know, so the thing that that I question about this whole deal is why, if you're the 18 team, do you stay out here? Um, I didn't understand that you win the first stage. All you've got to do now is run 15th for the next two stages and and you're on the pole for the final stage like why would you we've we've seen the last 3 or 4 weeks especially last week tire issues when guys running 35 to 50 laps you're asking your tires now to go 50 laps for for what? Like I don't understand what the thought process was there. You know, you come in put four tires on. I think, you know, you're going to drag at least five or six guys with you. So maybe you got to beat one or two guys in the stage to stay in the top 15, but it just seemed unnecessary and it seemed like the risk versus reward wasn't there for me why why you would stay out and put 50 laps on your tires
5: when you when you know you've got the pole in the final stage if you just run top 15. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. I Listen, to me, I thought Chastain's interview said it all. He's like I just picked the wrong lane. And 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 I don't, you know, I'm, I'm the guy that, um, there's only one driver and, and I, you guys love your responsibility. I'm ignoring this. Let's start. I'll call him that. Uh, <laughs> put him on. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there's only one guy who goes in field care center. That's a guy driving a car. And I love that you guys take the responsibility for, Hey, that's my car. That's my driver. But he has to make the ultimate decision, and and when you got a car in front of you, and you know he has a problem, you've seen he has a problem. And I think in Ross's mind, he Kyle could not keep the car down. He was thinking Kyle was coming up the racetrack. The safest thing for me to do is to go underneath him. He had to make a split second decision. It wouldn't have mattered what the spotter said. He Ross had to make that decision about okay, here's here's the assessment and do it. And he just chose wrong. And he, I thought he said, I thought his interview was was just spot on. I just chose the
2: wrong line. Yeah. What's fun, what's funny is uh, right after that round of pit stops, some guys stayed out. I think the five stayed out too. And There's that, a handful and, of them. Yeah. He, so Tyler Mon looks at me and is like, why would you guys, why would anyone you be pit? And then the five blows the tires. Well, and I'm like, so we'll talk about that. Um, funny thing at Texas, same type of deal. We're coming off turn two with Dell jr clear. I look up into turn three where the next wreck could possibly happen. David Gilland and Juan Pablo get into it off of two wrecking each other. He starts screaming at me. Were well, you not going to call that wreck? And I'm like, dude, uh, you know, like 43 of the best drivers back then. I figure you guys could get down the straightaway without wrecking. The only thing he literally keyed up and goes, good point. And that's the last thing you said. Like he flipped out for a
3: second. To to my disadvantage, I spotted for Michael Waltrip early on in my career. And he is really tough on a man's ego. Uh, He will just tear you completely down. But to my advantage, one of the things he taught me is don't tell me something I already know. I don't need reinforcement. Look ahead of me and help me get, you know, help me keep me going forward. Don't tell me something I already know. I don't need to know that. So, I was able to take between what he told me and Elliot told me, and and hopefully it made me a better spotter. But, ooh, Michael can be tough.
0: Well, continuing on the All-Star Race drama, Austin Centric beat Ryan Blaney for the stage two win, and Blaney then bumps the two under caution and says, don't ever let him touch my f***ing race car again. Spot on, spot off, Jeff.
5: I didn't understand what he was so mad at, to be honest. I mean, I didn't see... Maybe I missed something. All I saw was a little bit of contact down the back straightaway.
1: They, you know, they were, looked like they started drafting, had a little bit of contact, and Austin got clear. And then something happened in one or two that didn't make television because Austin they were they were like a couple cars apart getting into one, and the camera panned back to something else. And then off of two, Blaney had no momentum, and the twenty four was going by him. So I don't know if Austin maybe took his nose, you know, to come across his nose or uh, threw a
5: block or something in the middle of one and two, but he, well, he had no momentum off of two. Well, Austin on on the broadcast, Austin said. So I, I, for future reference, I want to understand what I did wrong or something yep. to that extent. And they said something know, about something we, about air blocking. That's and, that's
0: what I that's what. Do all remember the Daytona it?
5: 500? That. That's that's right. was Blaney was going to
3: win the Daytona 500. And also, Cindric made a massive block and it put Blaney in the wall. That's probably still what's wrong. Oh yeah. Well, and you have a you have a unrealistic expectation from a teammate. Let's be clear.
5: Like you, oh my God, you are supposed to be taking care of me, I'm a teammate, but you don't take care of his ass, right? That's, that's you have this unrealistic expectation when it comes to teammates that always stirs the pot. It sucks because it costs them the five hundred.
1: Yeah, it's cost. It, it's it's like, funny that you know you, you say I don't don't let this guy touch my race car again right after you run in the back
2: of him. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, but that started like Brett said, they probably boiling over from the five hundred. 100 percent. So, which sucks because they were the two t- highest paying races, and he feels like he's getting screwed. They they work really good together, and Ryan. Puts himself at a disadvantage at that point. Um, you know what I mean? Like, okay, well he he thought he was building the advantage for himself. He didn't take into the account that this guy's going to run me to the fence for the win, and I'm not going to win. I mean, I think that I think it would play out differently. Do you if, think
0: there was a sense of seniority for Blaney, feeling like he'd no, been those days longer? are over? <laughs> so so
5: hey, here's the other thing. Remember last year, the Penske drivers all wrecked together at Daytona.
6: Yeah, We don't talk and, about that out yeah. here,
5: Jeff.
4: But there was a <laughs> That's
5: post... TJ's there was fault. a post... I know it was his fault, but we don't talk <laughs> about that It was a post... <laughs> conversation about, okay, how are we going to work with each other on the speedways? And then you go, and you got two Penske cars battling for the 500, and one guy gets an... So, you know, when you, it's a great point. You got to go back and understand the whole story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We should have been yeah. racing.
2: The only thing I would change about it is I wish we raced at the to the line right there so one of us won. You know what I mean? Like... We wrecked into turn three and handed the win to another guy.
1: I, I told Bubba this year we were running third to them, or I don't know, fourth, but we were in line, third behind them in line. And I said, just like, don't try to do anything here. Just kind of push them because the history shows they take each other out. And they were very close to, you, uh, to yeah. wrecking each other again and handing us the win. Like, yeah. the, if, like, if Austin moves one more foot to the right, Blaney's going to hook him in defense and we're going to win today. Don't to win. It. Jeff,
3: yep. I want to ask you something. The word teammate in our sport is so misinterpreted because you hear the word Teammate, I'm teammates. Your teammates with Clint Boyer, your, your teammates with Mark Martin, they're not on your team. Your your teammates are your crew guys, it's your pit crew, it's your crew chief. What, what do we do to fix that? Because they're not really your teammate. So, <laughs> <laughs>
2: owners, you fix it.
3: owners want
5: the teammates to be teammates. The like, I'm gonna look out for you, buddy, and you. He's going to look out for me and we're all, but man, to be successful, you got to be a selfish ass when you put the helmet on and um, our best drivers get really selfish and, and, and care about themselves at that big, at those big moments. That's what define, that's what makes the greats in every sport is that, you know, the you play in your role in your team, you know, they say there's no I in team. Well, I say that's a bunch of crap. If everybody does their role, that makes the best team, and that starts with self-identity. And if you're an, if you're going to go make something happen, and that means you got to go make it happen against a teammate, well, then that's what you have to do because that's what makes you successful. And owners don't like that, but I I want my driver to be self-centered and selfish, and and I don't want him to be like that when he takes the helmet off. But with the helmet on, I want him to be. You know, Joey Logano is a great example. He is. He's the best one. Him and Kyle Bush. Like just just out of the car. I'm gonna do the right thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I need to do. I'm gonna do and and, but when I put that helmet on, it's about me and my team. And that's what I like. I like to see that.
2: Brett got me in trouble a handful of years ago with the Elliot Sadler because I called him I said he got he was super good at plate races because he knew how he was selfish when he needed to be and it put him up front and he won. I didn't mean like selfish It's okay to be selfish. It's it's outside the car. He's nothing like that at all. But like he knew
5: what he needed to do inside that car. It's you have to have a split personality. I didn't. I wasn't really good at that. I wasn't as selfish as I needed to be in the race car. Um, But it's it's you don't want to be that guy out of the race out of the race car because nobody's gonna come to your funeral and say bye to you. But when (laughs) but when you are in that race car, you it's you know those people, you know that got home last night at four in the morning and are at the shop today working on those race cars, they deserve and expect you to be that guy that's going to do, gonna what, do it what you need to do. And, and, and so, yeah, teammates are teammates, but I still think you have to be careful not to get sucked into being the great teammate all the time. Because if you're the great teammate all the time, that means, you know, Rubens Barrichello was a great teammate to Schumacher. Yeah.
6: <laughs> yeah. Which hey, one boys. would you rather be? Yeah.
3: <laughs> Schumacher. Uh, yeah.
0: Last topic on All Star Race qualifying and head to head pit stop component. What do you guys think of that? Freddie. Spot
1: on, spot off. I mean, I listen. This deal, I this, I feel like it could have been done. This is essentially a pick competition for a million dollars. In Which my was opinion,
0: honestly, a lot of fun when they did it as a separate event years ago.
1: Yeah, but I mean, this there's just, in my opinion, there's way too much on the line to turn qualifying into a pick crew competition. Now, I'm fine if you want to kind of reverse things. But essentially, in my opinion, 18 won the poll yesterday by his pit crew being the fastest, which we've seen throughout the year. They're they're the ones that are tweeting out about the fact that they've laid down a sub-nine-second pit stop or whatever it is. So they've probably been the fastest team. But if I think if he doesn't get that flat last night, he's going to win the race because he's a very good car that's going to be fast. on the pole at the, at the last stage because of what his pit crew did in qualifying. You know, he wasn't – I don't even know where he was, third or fourth – in, in a speed qualifying, but you know, I, it, it puts certain teams at disadvantage. I mean, you look at the 45 in that group of eight, we're leasing a pit crew from, from JGR. So, so I'm assuming that they're not going to give us, crew. I'm assuming that they're not giving us the top. If there's six teams, if there's six pickers over there, they're not giving us the, the best four, that's, I would assume. That's
5: not a reason not to have pit stops. No, well, your not car saying, owner has to give uh, you oh, a damn 100%. better pit stops. And that's part of the
1: game. I think that they should play a part in it. I think it needs to be reversed. I think we had 20 cars. I think you line that up. You line it up in pit stall 40, not in pit stall one, and you do a pit stop. The ten or 20 cars, so you got 10 matchups. You do the pit stop in 40. They drag race to the start-finish line. There's your pit crew competition. Now take those 10 guys and... And run a single lap qualifying, and let the fastest guy be on the pole. At least have some speed to earn it. Don't I don't I don't think we had a pick crew competition in the race too that paid a hundred grand and and gave up fourth and gave you the fourth spot for the for the final stage. But so now you're giving, you know, I, I just it, I didn't think that you needed to turn qualifying into a pick competition because that's all it was. That had nothing to do with speed of the car. You know, you gave the pole or the, or the top four or five spots. To the guys that had the best pit crews or the best pit stops. You look at James Small. He tweeted out they had a you know equipment issue. That stuff's supplied by NASCAR. So I mean, I don't I don't understand. You know, I, it just didn't seem to me like you you turn qualifying into a pit crew competition for a race that's going to pay you a million dollars.
6: right
3: I'm spot off for the fact that when they said go, you drove all of about twenty feet. Like I want to see a race car driver drive and to to say i could have literally been in my soccer mom suv that i had it for the for the weekend and when you said go i could have got to that pit box just as fast as a cup car with a professional race car driver in no, it, no, you couldn't. I, I, no way I in think, hell. I think I no could've. way in hell. Based on what I no. saw, I watched it on TV, and it looked that's like because you've could. never driven one of them. I, that's true. That's if very set true. If you sat your
5: big ass in that I, thing, you
3: wouldn't be, be able be, to be, do it. it. I'd have to have a big seat.
5: Oh, Will so, so Brett
0: talks out of his ass with with you two because <laughs> I mean, no, this that's pretty much the show.
3: I just want it to look like the average human cannot do it. Would you race? Sprints mainly. And and what I saw, I run a four or five forty. What I saw was on television was anybody with a heartbeat that has a driver's license could do what those drivers were doing to start the I qualifying just, I process. I disagree with that. I,
2: I disagree with it too.
3: I, I know it looks you easy. You drop a
2: clutch, you put it in gear, and you go. How many times do you see them stall out of the pit stall struggle? Kyle, it's, Ars- it's Kyle Larson
3: think. stalled his car yesterday, and you called yeah, him the best driver caught, in the world. He caused so much crap for it because he knew he was an idiot for doing that.
1: Yeah, but I'm but saying if it is easy. was sleeping. If it but was easy, I'm pretty easy. sure he wouldn't have stalled yeah, it. it's not easy. <laughs> like it's
2: easy it, it, to pop a clutch. So is that
0: all you're spot off on for this I'm spot
3: off on how it He just got buried right here. I want to see... Again, I want to see impressive things out of of impressive people, and these drivers are impressive people. They they have a shoot, they, they the craft they're good at. Um, obviously, majority of Americans can't do, and and it just looked like okay. Put my car in gear, pull up twenty feet, and get my tires changed. I don't I don't want to see something dramatic. If we're gonna do it, and if you're gonna drag race, let's freaking drag race. And I don't think anybody like I hate. I would have hated to be
1: in. Unfortunately, Eric, you know, like nobody knew what the hell was going to happen that first pair. And the girl walks by with the signboard that says 10 seconds. And about three seconds later, the light comes on and they're like, oh, And Eric's sitting there like, "Holy <laughs> What? you know, what just happened? And he was done, you know, so I, like, I don't know if it wasn't explained well enough or it seemed like there was a I don't know what the hell was going on there. But it was the first pair was at a, a severe disadvantage. I felt like I, I
5: think that they needed to have the Christmas tree lights like they have at a drag race. Yeah. yeah. Not, like just, why, not just not If you're gonna green. have a drag race into the pit, why don't you just have it, the lights correct? Mm-hmm. And then, um, I like the fact that the drivers could race back to the line. The problem is, you just run wide open, right? And and that we never it'd be very unique situation where you're going to have that drag race back to the start finish line. I like the fact that pit crews are involved. I I disagree with you some. Um, well, actually a lot about the pit crews because there. what we talked about at the start of the show is how, how you race today. Pit position is, track position is really important and pit crews are a huge part of what success you have today. So I am actually okay in an all-star event to say whoever has the fastest pit stop is going to be on the pole. I'm actually okay with that because you also have four segments to go ultimately win the All Star Race. If your car was fast enough, if you couldn't get to the to the lead by the end of four segments, then you weren't going to win the race, even if you had it started on the pole. So I'm actually okay, and and you know it's a, a car owner's job to put the best pit crew together, and that's part of racing, and it's such a big part of it. So I, in a special situation, I don't mind the pit crews determining uh, who would start on on the pole. I I think that we don't celebrate the people that work on these race cars enough. Now, we all know the people that are doing pit crews aren't the ones working on the race cars, but we need to find, for the most part, but we need to find a way to celebrate those people that did get home at four in the morning that are making these race cars go. And I think that that's
2: a step toward doing that. Yeah, I I agree. I I missed the qualifying where you you went out, took the green flag. Came around, hit pit road hot and you know, and cause that was always like you were on the edge of your seat every time one of them guys I was coming a to pit road Every
3: freaking night as a kid and as a teenager and as a kid in college, I would make sure I attended all star qualifying and I would sit in there turn four and it was one of the most impressive things you would ever see as a race fan. And it's never it's never been done in Texas. Like show it to them. It it to watch those guys come off the banking at 180, Dude, 190 miles it. an hour with no pit road speed and still get their car stopped, it is one of the most impressive things you'll ever see and that, then that's superhuman and then race off
2: a of pit road i mean you're watching that it's it's tense i mean that that was that was very tense you're watching them i mean i watched from the roof at when we're, i'm like hell, i spotted a few of them you know and dude i'm telling you what, waiting to see how that guy was getting down off that banking in turn four was exciting so dude, was, for
3: me to go from what we just described watching that all-star qualifying to what i saw this year yeah i think i could do it so so you're wrong but <laughs> i appreciate you thinking that but when <laughs> when
5: uh, when we used to qualify like that, I walked to pit road. when I was driving. I walked to pit road, and Robert Yates is standing there with a radar gun on behind pit wall. When I say a radar gun, like remember in the eighties, <laughs> oh, yeah. like when your mom would get caught in her station wagon with the dude standing by the car with that son of a b- that looked like yeah. it, you know he had one of those things, like smoking the band of and the Bandit radar gun. And I looked, I looked at Mister Yates, and I said, "You." are going to get some ass some asses wrecked right here with that radar gun. And he's like, "What? I said now everybody knows you got it. We're going to have to be the fastest guy on pit road." And it was <laughs> I stood there and watched um I can't remember who the first driver was, and I'm telling you it was one of the most impressive things I've ever seen to the point where uh I told my kids when they were little, I said, "You guys need to come to watch this. And I took him on top of that, what now I think it's the Bank of America suite or something right yep. there on the yeah, inside. Right yep. I took him up there and like put Harrison up on my shoulders and that, oh. whoa, I mean, they come flying by. It is absolutely insane. Yeah. I, you know,
1: like, I think that for sure, I agree that they, I'm good with the picker being part of it. I just didn't like the fact that it felt like yesterday that it was that was the sole thing was the pit crew competition you know like I think the pit stop like was great you know like put, make them part of it make it a two lap deal and in, in, in the total time but it seemed like we just turned the last round of qualifying into a pit crew competition and that that just rubbed me the wrong I way for, lap and for pit what pit it was together was, together was yeah pretty, was well, 100% I think they should definitely be evolved I'm all about it. I used to love the pit crew competition that was in Charlotte when they would you know they would do you know do the pit stop and then the guy would the push car, the car yeah. down the road I thought that was amazing but uh, you know I'm all for a picker competition i just think that, that you know you were giving away too much for a picker competition
3: yesterday. If, if i'm a fan and having lived in this sport having worked in this sport watch the sport if i'm a fan give me a one-day all-star race and have a 20-minute practice followed by one of those awesome qualifying formats where it's a hot pit stop with no speed limit and then we go into the open and then we go into the all-star race so you give me that as a fan in about a six-hour window and i'm in absolute heaven how come we don't introduce the crew guys how come
2: they don't get to walk out, too? Like, they used to. Uh, no, they walked they out they they walk, in they the walk out yeah, intros, but, that's but the they're not. Crew. We're, talking about, oh, the, the, we're talking, talking about the road, road, guys. The the road crew row. guys that, are, that do it. Like, How come yeah, we don't
1: those do are that the with guys. Them?
4: Those are the guys that don't get enough yeah, yeah, they should be
2: the ones walking out there with them.
4: Yeah. Interesting comments on Twitter. Danny Hamlin told Jim France in March that until he and his partner see a change in NASCAR's business model, all further major investments in 2311 on hold. And he said, it's very hard to convince. Then he said, it's very hard to convince dinosaurs they must eat differently. I want change. If you're going to appeal to a new audience because our current audience is aging or has aged, you've got to get with the times. Adam Stern just posted all this. I'm going to need to get my resume together, I guess it sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) I might be looking for a job.
0: When they say major investments though, like are they referring to the sponsors? Are they referring to the investments they make in like their pit crew performance? I mean, what, what investments is, is he referring to?
1: Well, he's building a giant shop right now or getting ready to. Facilities, people,
3: resources. Third team. Possibly.
2: We are, we are. What are you going to tell Danny? What are you going to text him in a minute? (laughs) Nothing.
3: We
5: are in this moment in time where the owners are working really hard to find a way to make their businesses work better. And they're doing that with NASCAR. And we're in this moment of time where, uh, everybody's having conversations that they've really never had before. And that's a good thing, but it also creates moments of tension. And, and um, again, we said it earlier, we all want the same thing. And so Denny's way of doing that is he gets out, you know, he gets out and talks about it publicly. And some people don't like that. And some people don't care. And some people like it. And, and, it's just a different style but we this is all about Denny being a car owner saying hey we need to run our businesses in a different way and he's he's feeding he's feeding the race fans you know and and I don't think he needs to convince anybody though that things need to be better like I don't think that he needs to convince anybody I think that uh, I think NASCAR believes that hey if successful car owners, are a great thing. Successful racetracks are a great thing. We want race car drivers to make what NFL players make. I don't think Denny needs to convince anybody. The biggest thing is how do we get there?
3: Yeah, there aren't many racers that were car owners that are still around. You know what I mean? And, and, and I say that back to the Bill Davises of the world. You know the the Robert Yates of the world. Like they didn't have this other business that afforded them the opportunity to go racing. I mean they they went racing with their own dollars. And Jeff, you know as well as I do, if they went out of business, they sold everything for nickels on the dollar and lost their butts. The franchising charter system helped create that value. And, and now we've just got to see the revenue model continue to change to help give these teams money. Wow, Richard, Richard Childress is an American
5: badass. He is. He's the only guy. You think about what he's done with that business, and that's the core of his business. Richard Childress has outlasted all of those people and has found a way to adjust. And Richard Childress is smart, very smart, really smart, businessman. Yes, really smart. I agree.
7: Hey, door bumper clear fans, this is Mike Davis with Dirty Mo Media, and I want to give you five reasons why RacingUSA.com is our favorite store for NASCAR merchandise. First, NASCAR fans have rated RacingUSA.com Google's top source for NASCAR merchandise so you can always buy with confidence. Second, RacingUSA.com automatically discounts every order in your cart so you always get the best price. Third, RacingUSA.com guarantees the lowest pre-order prices so you do not have to shop around for a better price. Fourth, RacingUSA.com ships all in-stock orders the next business day. you can get your order faster than anyone else in the industry and fifth racingusa.com has a wide selection of current season hats apparel diecast and novelties for the sports most popular drivers you can find products that are not available elsewhere like the exclusive door bumper clear justin algar autograph diecast that sold out in less than two weeks Fans, RacingUSA.com is door bumper clear's choice for NASCAR merchandise, and we want it to be yours as well. So whenever you need a new hat, T-shirt, die-cast, helmet, or novelty to show your support for your favorite driver, we want you to shop at RacingUSA.com, where you are always somebody special.
1: If anybody sees a big guy streaking down Talladega Boulevard, and not be alarmed—it's just Freddie.
4: Brett
2: Griffin is a f- clown. Just had to call him and say uh, somebody called Denny a ambulance. Well, I
3: never thought that my f- Kyle Larson would
4: be on my bad side. His
3: car's held together with duct tape and
4: hope. Reaction f- feeder starts now. This is a big cute f- cute TMS. I went to go buy tickets for my family to go see the truck race and the Xfinity race, and I go on the ticket map. They say they're almost sold out. And then I turn on the race on the TV. There's hardly anybody in the stands, and the complete right and left sections of the stands are closed off. And then last year I went to the All Star race. Uh, I go re-buy those tickets this year, and they're almost triple in price. And for what? For ass racing?
3: I think this guy does not understand staffing uh, issues Reno right now. I don't I don't think is a facility. You know, Texas Motor Speedway would probably seat eighty five, ninety thousand 90,000 people. I don't think they can open that up for a Friday Saturday night race. I think they do have to limit what sections are open just from a staffing perspective. You got to have enough police to park cars. You got to have enough people to sell hot dogs. Like walk into your local Hooters restaurant and you'll see half the tables open, but they won't seat you for 20 minutes. I think he's I think he's I think he's a little skewed on his comments. Where i'm with tony stewart after that one you see they need to start doing this all-star race in figure eights figure eights baby remember that town is year? that you we're gonna do a figure eight we don't those cars texas is a snooze fest brother blaney almost lost the race because of a window net a window net come on nascar ricky stenhouse was i mean his rear rear mirror needed zoom to see ricky stenhouse zoom
1: <clears throat> i think he's had any beard. I think he's out of I think he's uh, out of beer. uh, Yeah, I hope he listens uh, to the whole show or watches (laughs) it.
3: Are you kidding me? Ricky hits the wall. No
0: one around him. Blaney's ten yards from the start finish line, and they throw the in caution. Stupid.
1: They were waving
2: the checkered flag. Like the checkered yeah. flag was yeah. waving and then they, they pulled, pulled it back. back in. I was
1: like, oh my
2: god. Hey that credit to that flagman though for getting that done quick. That was
4: quick. I mean yeah, that, was, that, that is that is
2: that was on cue, man. Like
6: did
4: NASCAR really just throw 20 years of safety improvements that they've prided themselves on out the window net, literally, <laughs> for the all-star race? Are you serious? Ryan Blaney should have never been allowed to restart that race. Without the window net fastened properly, but this never would have happened if they wouldn't have thrown that BS caution at the end of the race.
3: I'm a Jeff. At least they admitted it. At least they admitted they screwed yeah, up. Yeah, you own it. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean they admitted
1: the 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 yellow was screw up, but I mean they they didn't admit to blame anything. They, they should the have yellow. still known better than
3: the fact that he could not have gotten they that window net. They knew that window net was not. up. Yeah, for sure.
7: NASCAR should be ashamed of themselves for the way they just acted. I don't know who the race director is on All-Star Weekend, but Ryan Blaney is fully justified to walk up and punch him in the face. (laughs) Now, if he won't do it, I'll do it. And here's the thing, I'm not a Ford fan, I'm not a Penske fan, I'm not a Blaney fan. I'm a race fan. And that boy had to win 3.5 seconds, 100 feet to the line, and oh no, wreck his spin house, tag the wall. That's disgusting, NASCAR.
1: I think one of the biggest problems with that call is that guy saying, I don't know who the race director is. Because everybody knew who David Hoots was back in the day. You know, that goes back to the point of one guy doing the job.
3: I say that a by the flag vehicle. man, like a flag lady. Uh, I, I love having one person in that role. Give them some notoriety. Mm-hmm. Give them some credibility. Like, I, I love I You're right. I so agree. question,
2: did you guys see, you weren't there, but I swear I heard, you know, turn two on the right, then put it out. Did you hear that? Or I heard, I? So turn two, the the turn
1: two spotter is going to call in turn two. Yes. Did then, you hear that though? I heard turn two. Yeah. And then
2: I, right after turn two, you heard put it out.
1: It wasn't right after, but I mean, it wasn't like immediate. It was It was pretty quick, but though, it was because quick because when I they looked
2: over there. Stenhouse is only. They, had, way down the back they had.
1: They had time to talk about it on a different channel, also.
4: Move over, two thousand eight Brickyard four hundred,
5: the new worst race of all time in NASCAR history, the twenty twenty two all-star race to Texas.
1: No, that Brickyard race was still the worst race ever.
2: Was that the tire? Yeah, that was great until we blew the tire leading. <laughs> Once you blew a tire, we were all screwed. We were. They were playing
3: favorites for you. Dude, <laughs> I, I'm sitting there telling them, slow down, you're LG, going too you fast. You can't run more than 10 laps, so every 10 laps, we're going to have a caution. <laughs> slow down. I blew, down. I, blew all, I have one blow. And
2: he's Mr. Conservative here taking these on He's just out there riding <laughs> around. Yeah, <laughs> <right>, you right. around. <laughs> Man, if that thing went green, he had that one.
4: <laughs> what did I just watch? Oh, yeah, the answer is soccer because there is still 15 minutes left of their broadcasting and Fox cuts to soccer after hurrying Blaney's interview. They did. Thank God NASCAR got the call right or got lucky
5: that Blaney still won the race after butchering that call.
3: He's, he's right. I mean, I literally, I walked in the door, Ryan Blaney's winning, and they go to soccer, and I'm like, wow. All this drama. But, but that
1: guy would be the same guy that would complain that they would be watching
3: the last five minutes of the soccer game when our race was supposed to start. That's the problem. Uh, that's the problem. I get it. But I want Denny's interview on television. I hear you. But I
5: again, <laughs> I, know. again I get it. I again, get the it. baseball game runs long. You guys got to be prepared not to watch the first 30 laps of the race. Can't have it both ways. That's true. Didn't have to be a NASCAR
7: fan to tell That all-star race was boring as hell TJ's got tears rolling down his face Because a bunch of race cars got destroyed in the race That race was so boring by stage two i was already right snoring mm. listen here come on listen here it's now time for door bumper clear
4: <laughs> <laughs> jason you must not have had much to pick from this week well Jeez. there was about ninety thousand calls and it was midnight and, and everybody uh, was everybody was 90% of the people are
3: saying on on Jeff Gluck's poll that that was a bad race so I knew we were in for it this week that was at midnight I still hadn't taken off
2: yet he couldn't find
3: better ones than that that's weird. Tell
2: me from what is your title, Jason? They all said the
4: same exact thing. I was going to say they all said the same thing. What's your title? TJ, you're going to do the reaction theater calls director next. Director content. Yeah. I'll be too drunk and injured. I'm going to need you to ju- do, ju- do, d- d- do it.
2: Director of content. He has like some other, he gave himself a oh, vice president. By the of yeah, it was like forget, president, of like director it. of content, or something. Oh, you just tell people you're important. They might believe it. Yeah. yeah. He tried that That's and then we caught on to it.
0: To leave an audio message 24-7, go to anchor.fm slash clear and click the message icon. We'll keep playing the best ones each week on the show or maybe the ones that Jason can get to.
1: Offer pad question of the week.
0: Let's move on to the offer pad question of the week. If you could design the ultimate pool in your home's backyard, what would it look like?
3: Jeff, I want to know what you do because you've seen some nice pools. Mine would look like Brits. vinyl, <laughs> vinyl. Mine's like green with grass. Miami Grand Prix vinyl.
5: <laughs> How about that? That was, that was awesome. Hell. Uh,
0: Jeff, uh, pool. Have ultimate you seen Boyer's
3: pool? pool? That is his new house. It's one of my goals not to. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he's probably got, he's, he's got a, he's got the zero gravity entryway. Then he's got this beautiful rock build that the kids can jump off of, you know, so it's almost like a high dive. Um, obviously there's fountains all around it, but the coolest thing, and this is typical Clint, um, if, if you go stage left, once you're in the pool, it is a swim up big bar and you can get anything and everything you want without getting out of the pool. His pool is probably a nice pool I've been to. No grotto? no. (laughs) No so i don't like rocks
5: i don't like mountain the the fake rock mountain thing with the waterfall i like uh i like a i like a square rectangle pool with a badass hot tub a place where you can sit like a ledge where you can sit where you like shoulder in you know Mm -hmm. into the water where you can sit comfortably yep and if I got that, I'm pretty good. Yeah. sounds exactly like but, the
2: YMCA. I mean, uh, <laughs> except for the,
5: except for the, the older people swimming for health. Um,
3: I, I, uh, is the hot tub level or is it jacked up level. a little bit? Hot tubs level. You want it level. Well, okay. it depends
5: on the, depends on the house. If you got a great view out of the back of the house, you want it level. If you don't have a great view, you want to it to make that the focal point. So if anybody See, needs this. a
0: pool, Jeff is your guy.
5: I got, I, I've, um, I got a couple cool pools and, um,
3: yeah, I like pools. Do you like the pool where it
5: looks like I like, like to look at them more than actually use them, though, to be honest <laughs> they, with you. Is it infinity clearer. or
3: infinity pools? What do they call them? Infinity. Infinity, infinity pools. So, do you, have you done the infinity pool mm-hmm. thing? Yeah. Do you like that? So, you do that when you got a... Like, so, you do
5: that when you got a cool view. Like, like a lake you, or Yeah, like if you're on the lake or something like that and you don't want the extra height
3: of the pool, you knock that down and then you it opens up your view. Yeah. What do you got out back? Woods? <laughs> no, yeah, I got, I got some trees back there. I mean, look, I'm not... I, I'm, I'm softening up to, to this pool idea. Everybody wants me to get a freaking pool. Oh, so, so the, look, here's the thing about
5: the pool. It it pulls you outside. Even if you're not going to be in the pool, it gets you out there and it gets you in the water. And you, that's why you got to have the right waterfall feature because it makes that noise and it yeah. makes you annoying ass neighbors. It makes them go away a little bit because it makes a little noise. <laughs> and it's it makes kind of like it's like. Hey, we're a party house. Like that turns it into we're we're a cool party house out. Well, the only
3: reason I'm really thinking about doing it is because I've got kids and I think it'll keep them home more. Like instead of going to their friend's pool, then they got to come to my pool. You keep telling yourself that. Yeah. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) What's going to happen is,
2: is Dog Treat Dave is going to be there all the time and your neighbors are probably going to see Dog Treat Dave's house because he's got a pool. Yeah, but I mean, who's directly next door?
3: Nobody's next door. I don't like any of my neighbors next door. Well, really not gonna, they are not the really friends. Do you know, you ever days. look in a mirror without a shirt on, that's what they're gonna see. Oh, so they're out. They're gonna be like he yeah. said.
2: Yeah. Right, yeah. Hey, look at me, if you the more you go out there in short shorts and no shirt, you're gonna get more yeah. privacy at your house. Well, where
3: was your best pool at? Was it at your lake house or is it in Concord now? Where where's your best pool?
2: Uh the pool in, in Huntersville right now is is
5: is uh yeah, my current house is my uh, best pool.
3: Oh, I didn't know you left Concord. Well, that's actually that's Huntersville.
2: That's actually okay. Understood. All right, yeah, close that's close the still same track. place.
5: Yeah, beautiful property.
0: Ready, pool.
1: Uh, cool. Yeah, I'm just gonna go to Brett's. No, um, <laughs> I think you know. So like, the two of you every, will
0: really keep keep his kids home.
1: Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll always they always will hang out with us.
5: Um, oh, because. Because teenagers love Ooh, when dad's love parents come yeah. over. It's, that's the coolest thing ever, to hang out they, with dad's they, friends. They can't get enough of
6: us. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to give you some advice. How old are your kids?
5: No,
3: nah, I don't got no kids. How old
5: are
6: no, your kids? No. 15, 13, and 9. And
3: so I got a
5: 21-year-old, a 25-year-old. They want to go somewhere else oh, other yeah. than they get where mom and dad are. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't. I, I would just say... Every,
1: everything we do on vacation, I look for a damn pool bar. So I would just have a pool that a pool that is doesn't need to be that big as long as I could sit at a bar and, and have somebody bring me drinks. That'd be great. We yeah. go to Walmart and get
2: you one of them little pools, and then you set up a little.
1: what I'm saying
0: that, that is
6: box. actually <laughs>
0: that is what I'm about to do after this show is go get a little kiddie yeah, pool. Yeah, it's good
2: because it's hot in here. Yeah, I mean Dollar General has them for Did like you a bring dollar, it here? like literally like a dollar. Here. I, I mean, my old house had a pool. I don't think you ever saw oh, yeah, it. Did saw you see it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it, it was not too big, not too small. I think it got to like four or five
3: foot deep, but um, it was a nice little area. Then I moved. The neighborhood has a pool. That's what I, I have a hard time making myself spend money when the neighborhood has a pool but with a water
6: slide
0: and all the things. You don't like your neighbors. Why would you want to go there?
3: Bingo. I, I, don't, I don't see my neighbors
2: there. Yeah, but do you think they want to see you there?
0: Yeah. Through that. They love me. Okay, go get a cash offer on your home today (laughs) with our presenting sponsor, OfferPad.com. It's time for us to get into our favorite Xfinity X-Fi more than fast moments from the week. Whether you're behind the wheel or online, speed isn't the only thing you need. So, what were your favorite more than fast moments from the All Star race, or truck, or Xfinity races,
6: Brett?
3: Uh, I got to go with Justin Allgeier. Um, You know, Xfinity X five more than fast moment. I mean, he came from a blown tire to to come back and have a really solid finish, and he had the fastest car all day. We saw it in practice. Um, JRM was flying. Uh, I, I honestly, at one point, I thought, well, they're going to finish first, second, third, and fourth. They were so fast. So, Mike's more than Xfinity. X5 more fast moment to go to Justin. They might have if they if Josh didn't spin Josh and Barry wipe didn't a couple run out of talent there <laughs> on that restart. I
1: agree with you. Uh my Xfinity X5 more than fast moment has to go I think to the 18 picker. We just talked about it on here. They they put their driver in position to win a million dollars last night and uh unfortunately got a flat tire and didn't complete it but the pit stop that they laid down in qualifying is what put them in position to to win the million dollars.
2: My Xfinity X5 more than fast moment is going to be you know, it's really hard to not pick Blaney because he was really fast, but I'm going to go with Tyler Reddick. He was the show in the open, and he passed a lot of cars really fast, and I believe that if he was in the all-star race there, I saw how good Suarez run, and I think Tyler was going to be better than that. I think Tyler could have been a factor in that race. So, um, once again, Tyler... Put on a show, was really fast,
3: fun to watch. That's why he gets my experience. He's, he's so fast and he's so good, Jeff. It's going to be a shame if it's got to make this playoff. He's getting better and better. He's going to have to win. He's a future superstar.
5: He is a future yeah. superstar, mm-hmm. and he, he's, he just is. I have so much respect for him. I, listen, I'm going Austin I, You know Austin Sendrick, a rookie, battling with a chance to win the All-Star race. Um, that's not normal. Like, you don't do that and and Austin Cindric has had some serious step up moments this year when obviously winning Daytona 500 but Austin Cindric on a night where the very best find a way to step up and make themselves even better he hung right up in there with them and had a had a real chance to win that race
0: all great moments
5: here on door Brumper clear
1: being more than fast is the way of life Thankfully, there's plenty of weekly action for our Xfinity X5
3: More Than Fast Moments. You know what else is more than fast? Xfinity X5. With the speed for all your devices, you get the reliability and security that helps keep your crew connected and protected. With Xfinity X5, you can do
2: more of what you love with faster internet and a powerful and secure connection.
1: Follow at Xfinity Racing on Twitter for even more Xfinity X5 More Than Fast Moments. And Casey, don't forget to vote for your favorites.
0: Yes, Thank you to Xfinity, proud premier partner of NASCAR.
2: What an idiot, man.
0: All right, time for What an Idiot. And Jeff, this is basically, well, it was started by Brett, if you're not surprised. It's your come on, man. Yeah, you, you get to call out whoever you want. So, I don't want to
5: go
3: first. I didn't know
5: no, this was gonna,
6: gonna, okay. No, to it's
0: first. okay. We're going to have Brett go first and, and tell you how it's done.
3: Okay. So my what an idiot this week is every single spotter on the spotter stand that left the roof when the race wasn't over. TJ, were you one of them? Of course you weren't. But there no, were spotters not. who thought the race was over just like Ryan Blaney, and they're all a bunch of idiots. I was stopping Ryan Blaney's guy from getting off the roof. Freddie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ready.
2: Oh, boy.
1: Um, so my one idiot, I said earlier, well, Ryan Blaney was, I think, the idiot of the week for dropping his window net before the race was actually over. Um, but I think I felt like that was low-hanging fruit for everybody else. And then there was a guy that... I I feel like I've been picking on this guy a little bit, and I'm going to have to do it again. Oh. Um, Jesse Iwuji. Um... <laughs> What would he do? He was I don't know ten seconds behind your- a crash <laughs> and on Saturday and and just piled into it. Then like drove in like the wreck was in front of him. Like you should be able to just check up. There's nobody behind him, and somehow he finds a way to get in this wreck. And I just go back to you know I don't understand what he has done to be approved for these races. You know every the truck race the week before he's getting black flag for minimum speed as early as I can remember in in a truck race, you know, he's, he's kind of circumventing a rule that we've had for a while. Um, you know, all the respect in the world for him, for his military service. And I, I can't harp on that enough that we have nothing but respect for anybody that sacrifices anything for our freedom. But you know, this is the second or third time this year where he's misqualifying for a, for a military event or whatever, to to get his car in the race, because frankly, if he was driving it, it's not going to get in the race. And it qualified fifteenth. Yeah, and and it had to go to the back, and then he rode around last all day long. You know, I, I just don't. I, I you you can't pile into a wreck like that, especially. I mean, he's the team owner. Him and Emmett Smith, or however that deal works, you're tearing up equipment. Because you're piling into a wreck. There was a wreck early in the race. We had to start at the back of the field. So we were back there. Um, I was doing Landon, and there was a spin or something early in the race, and he was, you know, 10, 15 car lengths behind us. And I just, you know, the spin's happening, so I just told Landon, check up, check up. You know, there's you know, just slow down. And as I'm saying that, I look from behind and here he comes. And he's still wide open. And I know his spotters telling him that there's a wreck. We're all slowing down. And he well, I had to tell Landon, watch your mirror, get out of this guy's way because he was gonna if we didn't move, he was gonna run right through the back of us. And that you know, you cannot have that. It it's just situational awareness. We go back to here all the time and and listen, if you if you've gotta go somewhere and show some kind of improvement before I, I think you should be
2: on the racetrack in our in our second highest series. I have uh I don't like to give a lot of what idiots out. I don't like to he's, bash. Well people. he doesn't
1: like to, he's scared.
2: So, uh, this week, to make up for it, I have two. Um, the, my first one is going to go to the 22 truck. and Is that he, Austin Wayne's self? Absolutely. And you have a penalty. And I don't know if he was mad at the 23 truck, but he decided to stay up there. Instead of dropping to the back with your penalty or whatever it was, he stays up next to the 23 at the Choose cone. We're choosing with him in line. But not only, he's not in line. He was squarely beside the 23 truck runs over the commitment, the choose box, forces a 23 to the outside. So I'm counting trucks on the bottom. He, The 23 goes to the outside of the box and then turns to the bottom. Now I am back a row further because of where this guy forced another guy that outside the box. That can't happen like that. And he should, there's there's no penalty for it because he's already going to the back for a penalty. There needs to be something in place for guys that screw up the choose purposely because you're mad he put me back a row further than I needed to be or wanted to be because I would have chose the other row and now I've got guys changing lanes after the choose deal all because of a guy messing this up on purpose and there's no repercussions for it so and he's continuously done things like this so that's my number one what an idiot my number two what it is going to go to the 62 truck which was this week Todd Bodine right Yep. Where we're going to run a respectable Haley comes on the show. We tell her she's going to have good luck and she runs a fine race running right around the right outside the top 10 all day. Some in it sometime like right around there, right. Racing with good, you know, better drivers and stuff. And we are passing Todd on the outside. On three and four coming to the white flag, we take the white, we get on one and he barrels it off down there and doesn't even care that she's up there, carries us both to the fence off a turn two and rips the nose, the right side and the rear off the truck for a 13th or 14th on the last lap. And then instead of getting a instead of getting that finish, we drop back four or five more spots. And now we're back closer to 20th again when, you know, and now not only do these guys have to go back and that truck didn't have a scratch on it, just the right rear when she got it in qualifying, but laid down a hell of a lap in qualifying and ran a great race. And now these guys are finally able to go back and work on a truck until this guy for thirteenth comes in there and. Did she call him a cue ball headed fool? No, I was that. I, that was running through my brain at that time. But just why? Like why? you said, the engineer always says what he thinks. Burton, you're right. Why? Why are we wrecking a truck like That's, that? Yeah, that like, Come sense. on, man. So what an idiot.
0: All right, Jeff. Now you know the deal here.
5: So I, I'm I'm with TJ. I don't like calling people idiots, and I have to cover these people every week. So <laughs> I can disagree and call them out, but I'm not going to idiot. Can't, can't, But I, but we all know, we all know that the, one of the best races of the weekend is to the airport. Right. Yes, absolutely. Like when the race is over, get your ass to the airport. You are not going to be the last one on the airplane. Now, I fly with, uh, the JTG team. So, I am not going to be the last guy at the airport and these guys are going to get home at three in the morning and have to go to work in the morning. They're not waiting on me. That's not going to happen. So I'm the idiot because I go to the hotel to watch the race and I have pulled up. I've planned. I've got an escape route to get to the airport, right? Know what I'm going to do. I get in the car, I hit my navigational thing and I've, completely zoned out and didn't even think and just followed that thing and I drove it straight to the racetrack. Oh. <laughs> I drove my dumb ass straight into every All bit, bit of, traffic. of traffic and it didn't dawn on me till like 10 seconds before I got there I went oh no and there was nothing no out And so I'm literally sitting in front of the racetrack. I had to bang a right to go on 35, had to go up and do a U-turn and drove straight into all the traffic leaving the racetrack and sat there for 45 minutes. Oh. So I'm the damn idiot. Did, did now get, I was not the last was one was to the I was not the last <laughs> one to the airplane,
1: but it was close. A lot it was of times, very close. A lot of times, the guy, the last guy in the plane, gets the old slow clap. You know, the, yeah. you know, oh, the
2: standing ovation. I passed you yesterday leaving the track at right about lunchtime. You must have been going to get lunch or going. I don't know where you were going. You were driving right out of the
5: tunnel. Oh yeah, I'd gone. I had gone into a meeting. I had a meeting that morning. Then I, I was leaving and going to eat lunch. Yep. Yep. yep.
3: So download the
2: free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's ancho dot FM to get started.
0: All right, well, I am going to preface the DBC picks by saying I am definitely the jinx because you all agreed that I had a great pick this week with Larson, and look what happened.
1: Casey, you ain't had a top 20 in six weeks. I'm not going to lie. And I pick
0: great people.
1: <laughs> I mean, top 20, that's hard to do. I don't
0: understand. So, Jason, you won DBC Picks for the All-Star Race with Denny Hamlin. Thank you, Denny. Brett and Jason are tied for the lead with four wins. Freddie has three. TJ has two. And then I have one, but honestly, like... You're trying hard. I I really am. I have a whole... I have a spreadsheet, guys, that I work with somebody on. I'm trying. I think
1: think you want to work with somebody else. I don't know who who your coach is here, but they suck. Sorry,
0: MAPES. Anyways... (laughs) I get to go first, and I'm really afraid to pick this person because he's racing for Chad this week, and I don't want to jinx him in the midget race or the micro race, but I'm going to go with Tharson again for the cup race. For the Not. official
3: pick. No, Well, I had Kyle Busch. He was probably going to win because we didn't see any passes for the lead yesterday, but obviously that, that tire uh, screwed him up. Do I pick second, Jason? You do. Wow. It's hard to finish that bad in the all-star race, but I managed to do it. Um, I am picking... Man, I'm I'm almost out of guys already. I've I've gone too big. Uh, I hate to pick a, I hate to pick a Ford because Ford's been they've been off at these mile and a half. So, yeah, they you know? looked terrible last night. Um, well, but you know <laughs> Charlotte's going to be different. <laughs> uh, I think that I'm going to go with William Byron. You
6: Ooh, saw
2: that's exactly who mother's? I was going to pick. No, you're not exactly. anymore. All right, well, um, uh, man, that changes things. Okay, so I guess I will just swing for the fence right here and I'm gonna go with Kyle Larson. Uh I don't, I think, can got both, Larson. Larson. I don't think you can both oh, pick Kyle sorry, Larson. Sorry, my bad. I didn't hear. You pick Kyle? I wasn't listening. Jesus. <laughs> Literally. I'll just take Byron then. <laughs> it.
6: Yeah, I'll take Byron too.
2: Um damn, I wanted Byron. <sighs> you know, I'll take Ross. Not a bad pick.
0: Ready.
3: I will take Eric Amarola. Jason. Chris Busher.
0: All right, Jeff. If
3: Eric Amarola wins, this will be the biggest surprise ever. Jeff Coke 600, who you got? Why'd
5: you take Amarola? That's what well, I Well, we can wanting. only
1: use guys once okay. all year long, so okay. I'm kind of. He still doesn't got, know why you took him. <laughs> they got, well,
5: Stuart Haas struggled uh, so bad yesterday. I know. It's
1: uh. just, it's kind of a layup pick just because they've got Larson already off the board and Jastain, so that's kind of a layup on my part whoever basically somebody whoever finishes
0: the best somebody so like,
1: that's
5: uh
0: you have more you're more so likely to have a stronger driver finish up front so he wants to pick somebody just in case
3: you run a lot of coke 600 so no one took uh no one took reddick i couldn't pick I, him. Ha, yeah i've couldn't. i already, couldn't. Used, him already him. used them i got you yeah, i, I would have where does the coke 600 rank in, in your uh in your book of races as far as fun to run like knowing how what, what you're in for when you start that one I love the 600. I won it twice. And, and um, I liked it
5: because it, I, like what I talked about earlier, like that that was in my wheelhouse. And and um, yeah, I love the 600. I think, I mean, God, we only need one 600 lap race. We need a lot of 300s. But but I think it's cool. I think it's, you know, a, a marathon event is, you know, it's one of our must wins. And and uh, yeah, I mean, to me, it was, I loved it. And I will say, man, like, like when those long races, that's how I broke it down. Like I'd get to, I get to halfway and I'd say, okay, I got one more Xfinity race to run. <laughs> <laughs> that was my deal. I got two Xfinity races. That's how I thought about it. That's the truth. I got two Xfinity races to run here tonight,
2: and I'm gonna do the first one, and then I'm gonna do the second one. So okay. I got a question for you. Prestige wise, how do you rank the races now? So I listen.
5: Southern 500 wins every time. Th- every time for me, the, the, the Southern 500 is. I'm sorry. I know it's unpopular. It's to me, it's bigger than the Daytona 500. I know that's stupid to say, uh, but you know, Darlington was there before the the Daytona, Daytona international speedway. It's got more history than Daytona. Uh, How many fluke winners have we had in the Southern 500? It's pretty low number. The Southern 500. Number one, Daytona 500. Number two, it's really a tie, but I like to be controversial and put something in front of Daytona. Um, the Coke 600 t- is certainly on that list. And this, the third, the fourth one is the one where it, it gets tough, right? Everybody always put Indy in there. I didn't put Indy in there because to me, that Indy was, we're guest. When we go to the Indianapolis Motor Speed, we're guest of that racetrack. We
6: are so the show. little.
5: Yeah, like that's, we don't belong. We belong there, but we don't belong like the Indianapolis 500. And so I never put that in my in mind. I always thought, um, always thought, the night race at Bristol was was one that deserved to be. It's always to be a, in there. Yeah. yeah,
3: yeah. Interesting. Good. Well, listen, uh, I'm glad you came. We could have made this a four-hour show.
0: And I love how we all, like, researched. We all took notes leading into the show, but then Brett would not let us talk You can ask home, questions so. right now.
4: The show's still going on. Well, Jason... Well, you took like, notes? No,
0: we, we can't with Jason.
4: Well, if you want to know Jeff Burton's backstory, he's a co-host on a different podcast, <laughs> yeah. The Burton Continuum, so you can go binge that season from uh, Over the Winter. Yes. That was a great podcast. That was fun. That, that was, was fun good. I yeah,
3: I, I could see you cringing at probably some of the things that you were like, oh, gosh. Just gonna be on here. No, no it's all right. Yeah, <laughs>
5: I th- listen. I think it's. I think it's. Um, I think it's good for fans to see behind the scenes. I. I think it's good for fans to realize that this isn't easy. Like no, you know when you. It's easy to look at. At, at I mean anybody. See, so look at Kevin Harvick and say, oh my God, he's got this great life. Everything's great for him. Ah, uh, <laughs> if you start to understand what it takes. You know, and on top of all that, the everyday life stuff, like they're they're just humans and they have all the issues that everybody else has and they're trying to do this extremely extraordinary thing. I think it's good to show how hard it is. Yeah. I love it. Well, you know, one thing we didn't talk about, and this kind of pertains to your team, was Trent at the racetrack
1: yesterday? Was Uh, Trent, was he suspended? He's suspended. Mm -hmm. So I didn't understand. Last week we saw the 11 team lose their appeal and... What's only well, I don't point understand races or something. Well,
5: yeah. Why? Why was Gabe Hart not suspended this week? Well, they made it point races. They, yeah, so this but, is uh, the problem when you appeal <laughs> something, they can change it. Yeah. And so they 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 said, okay, yes, it's four races, but it's four point races. Yeah. Like so Gabe
1: Hart could go this week. I didn't understand why. Like I think I guess it's just not up to them. Like if you're wouldn't you want to be out this week? You know what I mean? Like if you're Gabe Hart, like if you had to choose, wouldn't you but prefer you don't get to, to, to choose be? Once I know. 100%. I'm just saying. I just understand why this race counted for you. Because and NASCAR handed 11. that rule down. Yeah. NASCAR They're, did not hand it If down. they were going to change something, they probably should have just changed it to where they suspend the guy that was actually changing the tire that fell
3: off. But I guess they didn't want to do that. Yeah, once it goes to appeals, it's out of NASCAR's hands. Yeah. That board can lessen, increase, do whatever they want. And I just found it interesting that the, the All-Star race
1: counted for the 31 team but did not count for the 11. That needs to get fixed. Yeah.
5: Yeah, that, that and I have a feeling that will be a rule change in the All-Star race. <laughs> while, while we're talking
3: about getting fixed, you and I had a conversation about this at Richmond. Loose wheels. We had two yesterday. Uh I had two myself, one on track and one leaving the box. Yeah. So what are we going to do? You you your comment to me was every other form of motorsports in the world that has a single lug does not have these problems. So what so how how do we how do we not have these problems with these wheels coming off? Time. I mean it's it's it's
5: 90% of them are human error. They're they're even even the one even the one with the 43 car couldn't get it couldn't couldn't get the wheel off that was human error it's harder to do than what we thought it was Um, and all other sports the 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 tire changers sitting there waiting for the car to stop our guys run around the car and I certainly don't want to sit there waiting for the car to stop but but it's it's a skill and it's it's easy to look at the hardware maybe the hardware can be made better I'm not saying it can't but they don't fall off in practice yeah. you and, gotta get them tight And we somebody a
1: lot of people like you talk. I think you talked about this last week you know people's like well it never happens in IndyCar and in Formula 1 yeah we probably do I don't know 150 200 more pit stops a race than they do you know they got they got half the field and pit half as many times as we got you know if they if they did it on the
5: same level I feel like you'd see more issues with them too yeah and they and also they like I said they don't have the motion of running around the car yeah. and they also don't have the, uh, the their jack situ-
3: situation is completely different it's a, just a it's more difficult to do it the way we do it. So, Freddie just said they lease their pit crew, essentially, from JGR. It's JGR personnel. They're on JGR payroll. If Denny, Denny you know, hires these guys, if Kurt Busch loses a wheel this week, do you think his crew chief should be gone? Yes. Why? Because, because someone has to be held responsible,
5: and the crew chief is responsible for his car. And if you make the crew chief where he's not responsible for his car, then who is responsible? You go down the line, and then, then they put themselves in a position. You know, the argument is, should the, should the tire changer be suspended? Well, some people say, well, you suspend the best tire changer. Then you have an opportunity to have more loose wheels. If you, don't, if you don't make people do the right thing, they won't. And when you have the opportunity for a wheel bouncing down the racetrack, remember at Charlotte Motor Speedway, 20, over 20 years ago, in IndyCar race there, if wheel
3: got in the grandstands. Yes. Killed some people. Yes, late nineties.
5: It has to be. It has to be. It has to be an extremely strict upheld penalty. It sucks for Chris Gabehart because Chris Chris Gabehart had absolutely nothing to do with the pit crew. He doesn't. He doesn't hire him. He doesn't. That's all done by another department at Joe Gibbs Racing. But you have to make the penalty hurt, and the only way to make the penalty hurt is to. Suspend people that have a direct impact with the car. That's the, I hate it for Chris Gavehart. He had nothing. He literally had nothing to do with it. But if you don't make it strict and difficult, then they are never going to do the right thing.
3: Is four races too many? No. A wheel going down pit
5: road. A wheel going across the racetrack has to be dealt with in the strictest terms. It has to be. They got to get them tight. The, the, there, there's been a couple of these times where the jack man's not even looking to see if the left front's done. He's not even looking. He's just dropping a jack. But you can't let the jack man do that. You do we, need, to, do do we need
3: these guys to have to wait on fuel to slow it down so, so that we don't keep – because this, this is happening almost every week. It is every week. So how do you – so so –
5: I think over time this problem will go away. To me, how do you fix it short-term? And the only way to fix it short-term, in my opinion, is how do you make a rule that you have to – how do you make a rule that you have to fill it with fuel? How do you enforce such a rule? How do you like, – that, that, if you will make a rule, God, we have enough rules. The Pretty problem with sure, rules is you have to enforce them. And so – I just, uh, look, listen, when I did something wrong at home, I knew my dad was going to get my ass. So I tried not to get caught. (laughs) He still did it. (laughs) The pit crews, I know it's difficult, but when I talk to them, when I fly home with people, when I'm sitting at the airport, when I'm at the racetrack and I can talk to them, they will tell me, look... The parts and pieces could be a little better for sure. But at the end of the day, if I do it right, it's right. If I do it wrong, it's wrong. So when they tell me that, then it, it, that is
3: their job. They need, they need to find a better way to do it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we uh, appreciate you coming on, man. It's fun, man. Enjoyed it. When's NBC pick it up? Uh, Nashville. Awesome.
5: Yeah, Nashville, late June. So we're ready to roll. It's going to be fun. I can't wait to get back in the booth. We have so we have so much damn fun. It's so much fun to to work with all those guys, Steve and and Junior and Rick and everybody. It's a just a fun group. I mean, y'all know us. We all see us at at dinner, and we don't. Yeah, we don't take ourselves too seriously. We have we have just a great time talking about something we we love, and we all watch races anyway. We might as well be talking. Vacation. You vacation with each other. Everything. Yeah, we do vacation with each other. And you're
3: so competitive. You want to be better than Fox.
5: Yeah, and they want to be better than us. Yeah. And thank God. Wow, that's good. I mean, hell yeah, yeah. thank God that, that we, we want to be like that and and it's uh I think
3: it's healthy for the race fans. Yeah, cool. Well thanks for uh coming in. Enjoy it. Come back again sometime. Anytime, let
4: me know. All right, All right thanks everybody for listening. You can watch the T V show version, Door Bumper Clear, seven PM Eastern on Mav T V on Thursday night, and then the full version can be found on Mav T V Plus. Have a great week. We out Yep. thanks. Check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Dirty Mo. You're going to do it. You're going to win it. You're
6: You're You're going to win it. it.